Hey everybody, welcome to the first 2022 version of the podcast form of Philosophize. For all who aren't aware, Philosophize is the show that cosmically combines my favorite life experiences of smart and stupid. It's the show where we learn along with you at home about ancient to modern philosophers, their lives, ideas, and quotes, and mix all that up with the craziness of today. As always, I am joined by my co-host, Maxwell Dermarshausen, as he's got a minor in philosophy. And I'm Kyle Quayle, and I've got a minor in raw dogging. <laughs> Guten Morgen. How is your new year, Max? Any resolutions? Man, it was a good new year. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't think I can fully say it was a good new year. It was pretty chaotic the way it ended Oh, really? This year. Yeah, between the fires and just oh, everything Oh, yeah, like I forgot that. about that. Was I wasn't very... here. I got over on that one. Yeah. We, so uh... there were some really crazy fires over by Boulder, yeah. and like right in front, though. We were like, six miles away from the closest yeah, fire. that's really close. And the winds were blowing 105 miles they could be there they couldn't seconds. contain it yeah so we were on edge we were fortunate the crazy thing was that jamie and i went to go get a covid test and that place we got the covid test 45 minutes later they evacuated that shopping center oh wow flames. so it was like yeah Did they read your, weird... your results then do they not give you your results no we got them we okay. got them uh we're negative so we're good <laughs> but, um, yeah and then while i was home in maine my mom tested positive for covid which is we had to change our flight and leave mm. early so it was just like a yeah, chaotic end to the new year. But, it's going on uh, all over the country. Yeah. yeah, but I'm I personally am feeling good, man. I've been doing you know rituals and just like sticking to routines, getting in the gym, and I feel like coming into this new year, I'm moving at a pace towards my goals that feels realistic and good and slow, and I'm not trying to do it all at once. Good, that sounds good. that sounds nice. How about um growing up in New Year's and stuff <laughs> in high school? Did you make it a big deal? Were there a lot of parties or stuff? Were you oh. more of a chilled out? We, yeah, I mean, we, we definitely, it was a chill party. I mean, we had gatherings and stuff with my friends and whatnot, but I didn't drink in high school. So our gatherings right. consisted of like playing Halo, screwing around, having fun. That sounds doing, like a blast. Yeah, we, I've never, I, there was like a couple big parties on mm-hmm. New Year's, maybe at my friend Ken's house down the street, maybe something like that. But yeah. out of the 29, 30 New Year's that I've had, I've only heavily partied like twice. Yeah. For whatever reason, I'm a, I love to party, you know? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, for whatever reason, maybe because it gets too expensive when you go out for it, me. Yeah. It's it like, really it's crowded everywhere. I've, ne- I've always been anti, like, yeah. I've, I've also for a long time, I was like anti like resolution. Well, if you're changing something, but who am I to yeah. judge now? I'm, I'm very much, that, yeah, I, I'm more in, in pact with it though. I, yeah. I wouldn't say I have resolution per se but more intentions because yes, i don't want to yeah. like yeah. i don't want to do something just for this year i want to oh, there's a couple things i want to bring into my life mm-hmm. i guess oh you know sometimes you laugh at the people who are in the gym for three weeks in january <laughs> yeah, or whatever. Right. but the past seven years or so new year's is a little different i've spent like five out of seven alone i usually shave my beard and kind of like reset yeah. um and while i spent this nye alone uh, the flight home from jersey contemplating uh, I, I was gonna. I'm not shaving because I have a date on Tuesday night. <laughs> Superficially, I look so much better in my opinion with facial hair. Yeah. So, but yeah, January first is a great day to change things up. Why not? Like, why yeah. not? I, why I've not? got plans for sure. Uh, a lot of them I'll keep personal, but a big one is diet and just cutting out mm. refined sugar and mm. alcohol and fried foods. Yeah, uh, unless air fried, of course. Oof, and, uh, I gotta get an air fryer. Then. Yeah, <laughs> it's um, it's day seven for me, and I'm already feeling better. 
The only main resolution I wanted to share with the listener is a little trial I'm going to start doing and Ooh. see how it progresses through the show. All right. So I really only eat between hours of 12 and 8, but I'm starting something new. I've always loved a Mediterranean diet, and mm. I've just recently read the anecdotal reports of drinking olive oil. So with oh. my 9 o'clock ritual of black French press coffee, I'm adding a shot of olive oil every morning with the coffee. Are you doing it in the coffee or are you doing the shot? No, shots not separate? in the coffee. Okay. I actually thought about it at yeah, one point, yeah. but I do love the taste of black coffee now. Yeah, so yeah. I drink that. I take a shot and then chase it with coffee. I like that. Seven days in, I'm feeling good. We'll see how it goes. I'm not sure. I'll update in the name of research. You feeling loose and lubricated? And I'm feeling, yeah, thing? just it's more yeah. limber than anything. Yeah. That's probably has to do with the refined sugar and yeah, working out yeah, and stuff. Definitely. But we'll see. Mediterranean diets have shown lower chances of like almost every disease, if you look yeah. it up. There's a region of the world that just lives longer. The blue, there's blue zones, and a lot of them are Mediterranean. Mm -hmm. And I always wondered if they they eat a, like a little bit of meat with a lot of olives and oils and fruits yeah. and vegetables yep. and nuts and such. So we'll see. Dude, I love Mediterranean food in general. Me I too. think it's just hands down probably one of my favorite cuisines next to like Japanese Asian. Yeah. Um, but I I gotta send you a recipe. I got a good Mediterranean bowl that I've been making recently. That's Please do. Yeah. I um I just realized this might be bad in the long run but i realized like i, I love black olives stick them on yeah. my fingers do oh, that whole thing yeah 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 i will go to the store but at sprout they're like three bucks four mm -hmm. bucks for a can okay. i just got eight eight cans of the big ones for eight dollars on amazon oh shit. first food i've ever bought on amazon which wow. you know i knew is a thing yeah. it's a growing thing it's, it makes me a little nervous right. i'll always get my meats and fruits and vegetables yeah. at the store but right. why would i why would i buy a fucking yeah. thing of olives for it's eight i'm gonna be swimming in them i'm gonna put it in the bathtub <laughs> yeah, right. put it in the bathtub and swim and i'm so you have we'll to see. put it with your coffee every morning now yeah that's it's perfect so you know i guess the the main difference now is um to quote Tyrion lannister i like living you know i just yeah i, I just yeah. i like i didn't really think about the longevity of life right. i'm not that kind of guy who looks in the future mm -hmm. but recently i've been really happy and and trying to cultivate just more health and stuff and i'm like man i kind of want to live for a while just because i'm yeah. so curious right i want to see man. like yeah. the twists and turns of, and the triumphs and tribulations of the of the society even yeah. though i hate some of it and love some of it i just want right. to see i'm yeah. so curious i just desire to be a well olive oiled machine i guess <laughs> so let's see what happens keep oil in that machine i, I gotta hear about about it later you're in day seven right now day seven i'm curious great. at day 30 yeah you're gonna, feel it. you're gonna little... float and like yeah. levitate and shit dude <laughs> boners just all the time dude. it's gonna be great um anyway so i always feel awkward when i say my name in the intro kyle quail i don't know why like huh. even not just in the intro but always whenever someone like when other people say it i like it but when i i don't like when i say it. i don't know if i'm at an appointment doctor's appointment or come on stage like i love my name but just yeah. like when i say it have you always liked your name max marshausen i do man it's it's also a like strong long just, ass name it just fits you too, i like really uh, well. i like the name max particularly yeah i feel i meet more people more dogs named max than i do people i was gonna bring that up yeah i like having that yeah um actually on the flight out to uh, San Diego for Thanksgiving. Oh, you know, yeah. I told you this story. I sat next to another Max on the airplane from uh, from Germany, from Germany, Munich. Yep. And I was like, man, I, and I told him while we were sitting together, I was like, I meet more dogs named Max than I do people. And he says, oh, in Germany, there are lots of Maxes. Yeah. <laughs> <And> <laughs> I was like, that makes sense. sense. Like, yeah. it's, a, it's a very German name, but Did you yeah, get... it's, a, it's a cool name. And I, I feel like it fits. Yeah, it really does. Well for me. So your MM, was there any like M&M jokes growing up? Oh, at all? all the time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like the candy or the rapper. Uh, yeah, I got, or the candy I used to get, uh, what did I get? Maxi pad a lot. Okay. Um, I can see. I think yeah. I called you that once or twice. Yeah. Yeah. I used to, there was a girl in college named Brooke who every time she saw me, she would go Maxi pad and nice. yell it all the time yeah um and then I, oddly because i guess because of marsh in my last name 
I used to get Maxwell Marshmallow a lot. Mm. And I was like, you know, you guys can do a little low better. effort. A little, I've yeah. always thought, me and Jamie have talked even on our podcast about low effort nicknames. Anytime yeah. in New Jersey, if someone came, like a transfer student, right. wherever they were from, that was their nickname. So there was okay. a London, there was yeah. an Arizona. I was like, guys, get some fucking creative. Yeah, can right. we get a little creative, please? <laughs> I love giving nicknames. I was going to talk about the nickname I gave to this kid, Steve, but it wouldn't. You nobody knows Steve, so you wouldn't get it. <laughs> Whatever, I'll probably cut that out. <laughs> Names can be weaponized, though. I find myself yeah. uh, feeling bad for anyone named Karen recently. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Yeah. My, my buddy's girlfriend got called a Karen and he didn't oh. actually know what it meant. Oh, and um, I think it just means like an entitled, usually slightly unattractive, older, unself-aware white woman and yeah. uh, standing up against authority when she really doesn't, isn't making any sense. Right. She's making happening. a stand for the Let me speak to the manager yeah. kind of thing. Where yeah, she's yeah. Not happy in her own life and going out yeah. to buy, you know, little pieces of clothes and try to bargain them down. Right. <laughs> That's what yeah. I think about. And, I'm slowly learning day by day that entitled, unself-aware white women are the enemy. But that's a very (laughs) different discussion for a very different day. Just kidding. I've always liked Kyle again, although recently it's also got memed up too, though. It's also been memed up a bit. Oh, really? Yeah, it's geared towards, I believe, like drinking copious amounts of monster energy drinks and punching holes in walls. (laughs) Now, I hate energy drinks, especially monster. But man, in my day, did I love a good hole punch. (laughs) It's not super prevalent anymore, but maybe late teens early 20s yeah, yeah there was some, something special hey, about hormones are flowing yeah. big then man I something get it. special about getting a little tuned up and breaking some stuff you know <laughs> yeah. that's some like he's an allocation of male testosterone energy yeah. probably i have yeah. to believe because oh yeah i'm sure most people out there would be like dude like why like why yeah. why why would anyone do that you can get hurt you're destroying property what's the benefit and i yeah. hear you and i see you but i'm here to say everybody's different yeah um, there's actually a new room in the philadelphia flyers and 76ers arena that you can sign up to go into and the purpose is literally to let out frustration and break things. That's a good idea. Isn't that really cool? Yeah, especially, really, for especially for Philly. Oh, my yeah. friends, every time we go to Philly, there's a fighter. I'm like, chill out. Wasn't there after they, what was it? Was it the Stanley Cup when they won? When they like rioted in the streets and like. Well, the uh, Super Bowl, the famously Super Bowl, the guy ate, hor- right. ate horse poop. What? There's a video. Yeah, you go back to the Super Bowl celebration. The guy picks up a giant turd. Of <laughs> Philly fans are crazy. I grew up thinking Boston fans were like nuts. Yeah. No, Philly yeah, fans yeah, are a different are level because level. they're Boston fans, except unintelligent. Right. <laughs> I don't know what's from Philly, Leslie. Got here. Just kidding. I do. I've had some really good experiences in Philadelphia. It's as a cool well. city. But yeah, I know this sounds weird to most, but like for instance, I can't enjoy a roller coaster. Mm. It's just in my brain. I hated them as a kid. And I remember I was like 22 with my girlfriend. She's like, you haven't been in in 10 years. You have to try. It's like, yeah, all right. Why not? I'm not afraid. And the whole thing was just miserable. I hate, I just didn't enjoy the whole thing. Um, Are you a coaster boy, Max? I like coasters. Yeah. But I wasn't when I was younger. It took me to like, I want to say maybe middle school when I really started to like push that edge and be like, okay. Because they used to scare me when I would like sit on the ground. There's a lot there in the brain. This is some scary ass shit. Am I going to fly off this thing Mm -hmm. or what? But I remember I got on one. I think the first ever like scary ride, quote unquote, if you will, uh, I did was in Funtown Splashdown, USA in Maine. And it was Dragon's Descent. It's just one of those big towers that they bring you to the top okay. and then drop you. Yep, yep, yep. And I did that. And that was the moment I was like, okay, yeah, I could fuck with roller coasters. It just it light, lit up something in yeah, your brain. Yeah, it was adrenaline. like the adrenaline rush, like the, the feeling in your gut you get when you drop. It was, yeah. like, it was fun. It wasn't, uh, I mean, it's short-lived. It's like yes. fleeting experience. So right. Is it worth it to wait an hour in line for something like that? Absolutely not. But yeah, it's funny. If the lines some are of short, those lines, the famous Six yeah. Flags in New Jersey, yeah. be like people, my friends would go and they'd talk about six-hour lines. I'm like, six? And King Daka was like the biggest... Uh, uh, roller coaster in the country at one point oh, in New shit. Jersey yeah. and they would wait six hours to go on I'm like is that That's, it's a ten, no. 10 second ride I was <laughs> yeah, like right. I guess for like once if you did it once but there's some people who went over and over and over I'm like oh, wow. okay well let's get into it a little bit I know you love like rock climbing yeah 
Yep. And we all know people, including myself, love like psychological horror movies mm-hmm. and all that. So why do we seek out these seemingly like negative experiences? And you start to go over it already a little bit. Yeah. Well, there's this thing called eustress that I learned about this week. Oh. E U stress. It comes from the Greek origin and it combines the words EU, which means good, such as in euphoria, and obviously stress. We know that a roller coaster ride can be experienced as a U stressful experience thanks to an intriguing study carried out by two Dutch psychologists. They're interested in asthma and specifically its relationship with stress. Having noted previous research findings that stress leads asthma sufferers to perceive their asthma symptoms as worse, they wondered whether an opposite effect might be possible by applying eustress. And so, in the name of science, some asthmatic student uh, volunteers were transported to a theme park and rode a roller coaster while their respiratory function was checked. The research findings were remarkable. While lung function predictably reduced from the screaming and the general upheaval, so did the feelings of shortness of breath. This suggests that thrill seekers riding roller coasters perceive the experience as a stressful in a positive way. Mm. So it's almost like triggering your flight or fight response. Yeah. I think I said fight or fight, fight or flight response, (laughs) but without any actual danger, you know? Right. Except, you know, the 1% of the coaster malfunctioning, I guess. But I (laughs) I made a connection with this in my overall spiritual philosophy of life that I bring up every show where, you know, we are the universe condensed into skin and organs and bones and consciousness Mm -hmm. to experience itself. And we have figured out a way for us to experience experience this part of the universe Mm. through adrenaline in a Mm. safe way whether your thing is rides movies punching holes in walls (laughs) or even earlier for me running from the cops we seek out safe stress as a method of experiencing dopamine surges and euphoria Mm. how do you think Mm. what do you think about that that sounds pretty right i think that's spot on it makes sense why we have adrenaline junkies and thrill seekers and why people do like skydiving for a career I remember I did skydiving in like 2015 for a bachelor party. And as you drove into, it was Skydive New England. As you drove into the place, they had a sign up that said, welcome to your new addiction. Nice. And the the euphoria I felt, both jumping out of the plane and being in the air, but then getting to the ground after an experience like that, I was like, holy shit. I like you've amazing. overcome like, something or yeah, something. Like it was it, difficult. Like, triggers this response of like, look what I just fucking did. Like yeah. I jumped out of a fucking plane. Like that's yeah. fucking sweet. It's amazing. Yeah. And it was... Uh, yeah, I just felt like I was on top of the world. And I'd say that, I mean, we talked about it in an earlier episode, but like cold showers do that for me too. Yeah. I get out and I feel good. It's like, oh, or, or working out. Like I went to the gym today. Right, that's what that, I always talk about the hikes so versus yeah. shooting a heroin. It's a right. similar yeah. thing. Right. But it's one is cheating. One, the mm-hmm. drugs are cheating. Snorting or whatever is yeah. cheating where, you know, you put your, your body through, the you know, crazy amounts of speed yeah. or on a hike and a heavy exercise where you want to give up so bad or you want to pass out and then you yeah. feel incredible after. You're almost simulating this response. I don't know, caveman shit where you worked all day yeah. and you had to have to really work hard for to get your food or whatever, that kind um, of thing. Yeah. But it's funny you mentioned this. I was actually at the gas station earlier and, you know, the TV screens they all have now. It uh, was talking about these use stressors or something similar of the sort and how different uh like intermittent uh stressors like that are really good for your body Mm. so things like intermittent fasting and cold showers actually trigger the cleansing response of your body and release or uh, help to cleanse out toxins in your body and i was like oh shit like i gotta keep up the cold shower it makes so much sense that makes so much sense and the fascinating part to me is why is it different I know so many people who I grew up who loved Mm. horror movies or gore or whatever. And you said you grew up not liking uh, roller coasters. Mm -hmm. And I I was not one who liked horror movies growing up. I avoided any scary movie until like age 14. I watched The Mummy at my friend's house when I was like 11. (laughs) Dad had to sleep in my room with the lights (laughs) on. But now I seek it out. Right. Now, I like it to be clever and well made. There's a lot of garbage horror. But I love a psychological horror movie, especially around like Halloween. And what I've noticed, like I said, is a lot of those kids that I grew up with, 
that loved horror movies, they can't watch them anymore. Mm, they don't enjoy horror movies. And I've always wondered why that is. I guess yeah. it's the experiences we have in life has a lot to do with it. The traumas, you know, like I spent my early 20s also like looking at uh, the early days of the Internet, like ISIS beheadings and cartel killings. Oh, so maybe it's just like decentralized. Right. So all this stuff right. seems like child's play compared to that. Maybe it's yeah. something to do with that. I don't take out those videos any longer. But anyway, I digress. Um, yeah. So why does my brain activate during horror movies and not during coasters is what I'm so obsessed with. But the opposite is true for so many. So I guess my theory just has to be a cocktail of genetics and experiences and trauma and all that, right? Because everyone's made a little bit differently. Because at 22, I was conscious enough to be like, okay, I'm going to try to see if I enjoy this. I was like, am I scared? I wasn't necessarily scared. It just wasn't, it doesn't give me the dopamine that everyone else talks about. Where even I'll talk about my dad with exercise. He says he can run for miles and he doesn't get any kind of euphoria. I'm like, well, that's completely like different running, for me. Yeah. Well, I mean like hiking, any kind oh, okay. of physical exertion. Gotcha. Um, gotcha. Just running by itself is just boring to me. But I definitely feel very good after yeah. a run. Not during Same. it, but after a run, Same. I definitely feel very good. But I guess everyone's just, you got to figure out what works for you. What yeah. doesn't, what kind definitely. of things you like. If you don't like roller coasters, that's fine. If you don't like horror movies, that's fine. Find right. one of those things, a safe adrenaline booster, maybe yeah. something like yeah. that. Another thing I can compare it to, is stand-up for me, a fear of mm. public speaking. Mm. Glossophobia uh, is the number one fear of humans. I'm sure yeah. most know that. Over yeah. death, that's reported in studies, which oh, is wow. crazy. It's Holy a mind-boggler. Shit. There's a famous Jerry Seinfeld uh, joke where he says that, and he's like, so people would rather be in the co- in the coffin than giving the eulogy, <laughs> which is a great joke. And it doesn't <laughs> make any great, sense. I guess it's no. all about how much we care about what other people think. Yeah. And this yep. one kind of just like, I don't know, it's, it's a bizarre kind of thing. But anyway, when I'm about to be called up uh, to stage, it's similar to if a murderer was hunting hunting me down. I get sweaty, dry oh, yeah. mouth, sometimes Heart even helps. handshaking, yeah. excessive yawning, and it definitely it feels like I'm about to die. But over time, I've almost become addicted to that feeling. Mm. And maybe it's the overcoming of such fear, like we talked yeah. about before. Who knows? But there's a lot of philosophical lessons there. Pain for pleasure, you know, we mm. say. Yeah. Everything you want in life is on the other side of fear is a good quote Ooh, that I hear I like a lot that. about. Like and, um, definitely changed my life when I stopped when I started getting out of my comfort zone more in a right. bounce. There's a lot of themes in this episode where it comes up. Does that bring up anything for you? Just the other side of fear, pain yeah, for pleasure. You, you seem to be that kind of guy. Yeah. I think for a little while now, I've kind of through my journey with therapy and just the healing work that I've done, I was trying to get to a place where I didn't experience those emotions anymore. I couldn't experience the fear or the anxiety of it. And <laughs> which is like ridiculous. You don't just stop feeling those things. Yeah. You just learn how to cope with them more. And so now I've kind of shifted into this place of like, making space for the fear like feeling the fear and doing it anyway mm. um but actually have you seen the new mulan the live action one it's, no it's horrible oh, I, would, yeah. I don't recommend it <laughs> okay. but there's one quote in there that still sticks with me now and it's with no uh with no fear there's no courage mm-hmm. and that's something that i just love it's like yeah the fear doesn't go away and without the fear there is no courage you have right. to you have to face that fear and then the feeling after you face that is like a level of confidence, a yes, boost your real confidence, yeah, boost like, your mental ego, whatever you want to call it. Um, that really feels it makes me feel lit up, and I'm like, fuck yeah, let's go! I want more of this. And, but I, spe- you speaking to the feeling before going on stage, like I get that before job interviews, I right. get that before sometimes first before date. You're doing a podcast, yeah. first date, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, but it's like something that, oh, shoot, oh, shoot, oh, shit. Yeah, but it's also like good, like it's a yeah. great. It's also a lot of people say when you have that and you know you care, right? Which exactly. is a great sign. When yeah. if I don't, if you didn't have that, then what would it wouldn't push you, right? Right. Exactly. So there's a lot, exactly. a lot here, a lot of good themes within this episode. Mm-hmm. I heard once that there is a word in Russian that can't be translated perfectly to uh-huh. English, but it essentially translates to 
If you're not risking your life once in a while, you're not really alive. Mm. Now, I've never been able to find this word, or if it's real, I've done so much Googling, I swear I heard it once, <laughs> but it's real to me, damn it, uh, because I agree. Yeah. Max, you've known me for a few, few years now, Agent of Chaos. Yeah. Uh, evil isn't necessarily the main evil to me. Boring is. Right. Well, yeah. I, they're both enemies, but uh, <laughs> there's nothing more sad to me than the safe, fearful, boring life. And when you were saying that, it's like there, my whole the first like maybe 20 years of my life was about getting around the fear, yeah. where now it's like, Go through it. Go through and it. I'm not saying I I still go the fuck around it most times, but, yeah. but, yeah. More, but way more than I used to, I go through it. And right. that's always more productive. And yeah. that's always feels better to me well, in, I think in it's the long run. A, I think it's important sometimes to tiptoe around fear, especially if you're not ready to face it. Like you got to know your own self and be like, ooh, can I do this right now or can't yeah. I? And it's good to like that's a good point. discern and be like, I don't have it in me or the bandwidth to face this right now. I'm going to try it another way or I'm going to come back to it at another time. Yes. That's something I've had to really work on myself is like, I don't always have to fucking fall headfirst into this shit. It's okay if I take a step back and take care of myself to kind of come back at it yeah. another time. Or go through it on your own time. Right. Don't just right. conquer it in one day. It's yeah. like, okay, I'm going to go through this, but I'm going to, you know, chill out for a day. Yeah, too, yeah, really exactly. go through this. Exactly. It's obviously an extremely powerful emotion fear. Mm-hmm. It masquerades as a cloak of protection, keeping us from doing things that may cause us harm. It's right, obviously right. Uh, biological. It's, it's survival. Mm-hmm. But sometimes the real damage comes from the inaction that fear enables yes. for most people. Yep. A lot of times it's not real. It's just stories in our head. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing to fear is fear itself. I just yep that up but (laughs) but anyway this leads us into a quote that bustled your britches a bit this week didn't it max Uh, do you would you like to uh reveal it for us i certainly would um so i saw this first kind of surface when pandemic first hit and since then i've really been seeing it pop up more and more and it feels important to discuss because i think people are putting it out there as the absolute truth and i want to i want to discuss this i think there's a lot more at play here than uh what people are leading it to believe and the quote is Hard times create strong men. Strong men create good times. Good times create weak men. And weak men create hard times. Oh, yeah. So I had heard this quote before. Yeah. Um, it's from an author, uh, Mike, a G. Michael Hopp, from yep. the post-apocalyptic novel called mm-hmm. Those Who Remain. Yep. And what is this uh, singular, or the first thing that comes to your mind when you when this comes up to you? What, do you, what does um, it mean to you, Max? So at first glance, I'm like, that makes sense. Right? Like, why wouldn't hard times create strong people? And yeah, well, it does. In, in the sense, we've talked about this before. Right. A good, like, thing that – a big thing is, like, anti-bullying. Right. You look at a bully and it sucks. Everyone hates a bully, yeah. right? I, I can't stand kids getting bullied. Right. But often, a lot of really interesting, successful, mm-hmm. confident, powerful people have been bullied. Right. So that's the first thing that came up for me when that first part of the quote. Yeah, yeah. So for me, I totally agree, right? Like – when you're faced with some kind of adversity, when you're faced with a difficult time, whatever that be, both in your personal life, but if you look at the course of human history, um, like when the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor, like people were like, oh shit, their lives are really hard and difficult. But look at this like guerrilla warfare tactic that they just did to the United States. Like they're, that difficult time clearly breeded these hard warriors who don't give a shit about yes, death. Yes. And there's some level of truth to that. Absolutely. But I think what's missing here is it takes it. It depends on the individual. Mm-hmm. It's not just these this catch-all net of like, these hard times create strong men. Yes, within it's, any philosophical quote, there's unfortunately tweets or whatever. It's so small, but yeah. the world is so complex and yeah. nuanced, right? Right. So when I first read that quote, yes and no. Right. <laughs> and that's, yeah, and that's exactly. very difficult for a lot of people to right. grasp and to conceptualize, right? right? right. So, so keep going with you guys. I love that it, this is a theory, right? And I think this is a theory that... People are, are, are casting up there as like the absolute truth. What matters is the individual. Um, 
in the individual's mindset when they're faced with these difficulties and when they're faced with these hard times. Yes. And if they're well equipped to handle these hard times and look at it as a challenge that's going to make them stronger, then yeah, these hard times create strong. Yes. Men. My bullying comment mm-hmm. was reductionist. Right. It is survivor bias, right? Yeah. Because all those people have become successful. What right. about all the people that were bullied and their lives were fucking ruined? Right. You know? Exactly. So so pressure creates diamonds. That mm-hmm. could only be that doesn't that's not true for every that's single individual person. That's kind of what right. you're trying to say. Yeah. And I totally agree. It's like I love that it's if you could all encompass quotes, it makes so much sense. Right, but you right. can't to every individual exactly. purpose. Right. But I understand the cyclical nature, the cycle of life right. where it becomes. So when I first thought about it, it's, uh, you know, go from the top again, the first line. Hard times create strong men. Yes. And like I said, the bullies, blah, blah, blah. It doesn't have to be bullying. It should be right. anybody who, you right. know, it, I, I crave uh, experiences now because I know there's mm-hmm. no growing without experience. Right? right. And so it's degrees of hardship. Right? right. There would be a degree of hardship where it would get too much where I'd be like, nope. I'm, yeah. I, I'll yeah. take my chance with eternal rest. Right. And so, <laughs> yeah. and so what's, and then go on. And then it says strong men create good times. Okay. Which is true. If you, yeah. If you've made it, you've been, mm-hmm. you've been, you went through the trauma, you went through the times and then right. you've been like, okay, now I'm good. I can create all this good times for you. Maybe a, right. a dad who works hours and hours and hours to feed a family. Ah, oh, now we can yeah. prosper. Right. And right. then gone. And then it says good times create weak men. Okay, this which, is an interesting one. Yeah, because, which I can see. If you get complacent and comfortable yes. and you're not pushing yourself to grow, you're going to become weak. Say the dad who, in the hypothetical situation, provided for that family, well, that son or daughter will be like, oh, it was all given to me. Yeah. So that person yeah. will be necessi- kind of more weaker right. uh, in terms of, you know, as mm-hmm. weak is such a, a weird definition to make, but it's, yeah. it's in terms of him going through his own or her going through their own trauma mm-hmm. and, and creating their own kind of robust, uh, um, you know, strength. Right. And then it goes on. And it says weak men create hard times. And then that makes sense to me because maybe right. the people who didn't go through a bunch but are entitled right. create a uh, government or a, poly- or right. a society yeah. that's kind of like, well, you know, I did it. It's fun for me. So it's right. like all easy for this where yeah. the person who's been through it is like, no, 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 that's not how it works. You got to right. go through it. You got to yeah. like, do yeah. this, that, and the other thing. So I right. love this quote. It just yeah. brings up so much it does and i think it's i mean like anything right it's 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 a both theory. true and false well true and false yeah and it you really depends what you take you get into it. the micro of it depends on that individual were they and not even if you kind of zoom out again you look at the macro if you look at the percentage of the population that is resourced enough to handle these difficult times a large portion of our society is not resourced right. enough to handle these two times. I, that makes sense so, to me so why would we expect these hard times to create strong men when we're not resourcing our people enough to be able to handle these difficult times. We are a very rich society. We are. And we are ones who, um, at least in my cursory research, mm-hmm. um, we protect, we want to protect our weak a right. lot more than others, which is beautiful in right. a lot of ways, yeah. the ones who can't protect themselves, but it also might breed weaker people right. as a whole, as mm-hmm. opposed to like, I know in countries like Japan, it's, it can get really bad if you're yeah. not, if yep. you're not working your ass off, like you are looked at, they don't support the weak like we do. Like if right. you're weak, that's your own problem. Though. Right. Like why yeah. in an evolutionary standpoint, why would we, why would we want more weak genes in the gene pool? Right. You know, that kind yeah. of thing. So right. it's again, culture has such a different lens for all the people right. on it. So I, I, you know, the, it's well, just yeah, cyclical to me. Is yeah. What it feels I, mean, like. you, I think you just tipped into a little bit of Darwinism there too, of like survival of the fittest. Mm-hmm. And I think a key element of Darwinism that gets left out every single time is cooperation. Mm. And there's such a large part of our species, of every species that relies on cooperation to survive. So if you look at these hard times and these strong men, I guarantee you a number of these strong men that came out of these hard times had a mentor, had somebody who were helping to support them through these difficult times because sure. they themselves had been through that situation and they also had somebody there to help them at the yeah. same time. Yeah. So it's not 
I think I, at least in my interpretation of this quote, I feel like there's a level of individuality where it's like, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and become the strong man. It's like, it takes a village. Yeah. We all got to do this together. And the only way we're going to create these great times again is when we can rally around all the people who are in the difficult times and all the people who are in the good kind, uh, good times, share the wealth, spread the wealth, yes. do what they can to create the more beautiful world that we know is capable. I agree. Peace is, is the goal. No, yeah. I like all of that. Again, it's just like the thing that keeps coming up to me is hard times. Like you can go to war and fight in the war, but look yeah. at all the terrible things that have happened to those individual yep. people after mm-hmm. the, yeah, they went through the more hardships than I can, you yeah. could ever imagine. And they come back and their lives are ruined yeah. for some greater cause that was, may or may be filling the pockets of old, old and white if you look specifically at like the Vietnam war, when those guys came home after that war, they were treated like absolute shit. They were called yeah. baby killer, like right. all these horrendous slanderous names. Yeah, so it was like, and then the government didn't take care of them at all. Yeah. So it's like, Hard times don't always create strong. No, it doesn't. Like in, that, in that sense, like in the environment they came home to, a lot of them were berated and it just made them crumble. And why wouldn't it? Some of the shit they were yes. exposed to in and that war was to. awful. And yeah, it's it's really, really horrible, yeah. horrible thing. So like like we said, great quote. Just mm-hmm. have to nuance with it. And yeah. I, I, should, I would tell anyone who's listening out there, even all the quotes we're going to go uh, over from our philosopher of the week, you got to take it with your own nuance. Because yeah. you can't, yep. like I said before, you can't like, this is why a big thing is like nowadays, it's like, um, well, everyone has a podcast. I hear that all the time. It's like, yeah. good. Yeah. So instead right. of everyone just tweeting one line, we have to take all these things. A right. podcast lets you talk and think right. things out and you have to explain mm-hmm. yourself and you have to get to where you, it's, it's more uh, uh, thought provoking. And that's yeah. why I think everyone, then we would know each other a little more than a stupid tweet you send out to Trump or whatever. Right. Hell, whatever. Yeah. No one, you know, you judge someone off of one little yeah. line. It's impossible. With a podcast, you're opening up the dialogue, you're opening up discussion. I yeah. think it's just a, a great, time to be alive where we can have these open-ended discussions right. and I'll have other people tune in to listen to this discussion. Yeah, I would listen really to anyone like, who had a podcast if they had, absolutely. you know, if they were willing to articulate their and be, yeah. be well-spoken and, and be a little bit entertaining, right. I guess. So I think there's there's a good, I don't, I don't want to say, say there's a right way and a wrong way to look at this quote, but more or less, I think there is. For you. <laughs> and I, for myself, yeah. yeah. And I think, like, if you're, if you want to create these good times, if you want to be the quote-unquote strong man, were you doing for yourself every day to expose yourself to those eustressors, if you will? Because mm-hmm. I think there's, there's been studies of this too. When you expose yourself to small amounts of stress in a healthy way, your body and yourself your, and your nervous system is just more capable of handling the right. difficulties and so the curveballs that life yeah. throws at you. Of course. Like exercising physically changes your physiology. Mm-hmm. So it, it naturally wires your brain to handle um, discomfort and strenuous activity or, or situations much more uh, with much more ease because – you're putting your body through the arena every day. And it's like, I'm exposing myself to this healthy level of pain. Yes. So that when the emotional and the different discomforts pop up, I'm familiar with it. I know how to handle yeah. this. I know how to move with it. It's a healthy amount of hard times. Yeah. 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 <laughs> That's really what it's coming it. up for me. Yep. You need a healthy amount of hard times to get it because you like you, you've brought this up many times in our podcast where living the safe content life yep. you then something stress obviously is going to happen right. at some point and you won't be equipped to handle it right it so, makes me think of the quote from the book i just read the lion tracker's guide to life where it's uh, too much uncertainty is chaos and too little uncertainty is death yes and it's i mean i think that's it that's sure, it man. that's it right yeah. there all right. So in closing, I like the name Kyle, but I'm uncomfortable saying it. Out. <laughs> well, Kyle, I think it's a great name for you. So I actually did look up the origins of our names. Do you oh, know what? Shit. Do you know where Max comes from? I think it's Welsh, isn't it? It's Scottish. Very, Scottish, very close. Scottish. I know it's like you said, popular name for dogs. Yeah. Uh, I actually, I also met a Max who was a female once, and I thought oh, she, that, that was it was a little girl. I thought she was so cute. Uh, both Kyle and Max are technically unisex, which I didn't know after before cool. looking it up. Anyway, Maxwell Scottish, and it means great stream. 
hey, well, I do got a good stream. <laughs> well, what's cool about this is it's not that different from Kyle, which um, comes from Scottish or Northern Ireland region, and it comes from Cowl, C-A-O-L, oh. which translate to a narrow or a straight. Oh. Of course, a straight is a narrow passage of water connecting right. two seas. So in nomenclature theory, this podcast works so well because you are a great stream flowing through my narrow straight. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's why we blend so well. Kyle now. provides the area in which Maxwell greatly flows. <laughs> and you, we, Kyle. We will greatly flow into our next topic. Um, so you didn't it's happen totally to catch up, uh, Don't Look Up on Netflix, did you yet? No, not yet. I've okay. heard a lot about it so that I need to watch. It's it. already, like, I won't spoil, there's not really many spoilers in it, but it's already like the third most consumed Netflix original movie oh, ever, shit. which wow. I'm a bit surprised at because I feel like it's making fun of at least half of the people in our country oh, and that yeah. most people wouldn't get it is when I was watching. I was like, <laughs> most people are not going to understand this. But I think it's probably not subtle enough for that. It's probably yeah. not, it's like I'm giving it too much credit. I'm not obsessed, and it wasn't a perfect movie by any stretch, but I loved it. It's mm-hmm. um, It kind of encapsulated the despair, um, I feel, about just how crazy everything is now and how things yeah. aren't really based in logic and um, and how broken and dumb we kind of are from the head down, from the yeah. bottom up, from soup to nuts, if you will. Yeah. So, spoilers, it's a movie made by Anchorman and Funnier Die creator and former Saturday Night Live head writer, amongst a million other supers, even like Step Brothers, a bunch of things, Adam yeah. McKay. And he also has a similar genre of movie in The Big Short, which was an incredible movie that showed how horrible the 08 economic crisis was mm. and how evil and greedy people really of that time were. And this one is similar. It's about how a Michigan State astronomy student, played by the lovable Jennifer Lawrence, discovers a giant comet and is heading uh, directly for Earth and will 100% cause the extin- extinction of all life. And it's an unhidden euphemism to climate change and how all science and data points to us being, for lack of a better term, fucked and no one really seems to care. And I heard an interview with McKay and the best part of the whole thing is that he started writing this movie long, long before COVID existed. And the parallels between climate and COVID was almost so overbearing that he almost pulled the plug on the entire thing because he thought it would be too on the nose. But thankfully he didn't. And he just pulled a bunch of scenes that were too on the money. But anyway, no more spoiling. Great performances by Jonah Hill, Meryl Streep, and Leo DiCaprio. It's a stacked A role I've never seen him in before. And that was kind of the thing that McKay was saying. He's like, well, I have this message I want to get out about climate change. How are people going to, how am I going to get this to the mainstream kind of thing? It's like, all right, well, let's just get a super, bunch of super talented actors. And everyone's like, oh, I love Meryl Streep. I watch, oh, I love Jonah Hill. I watch it. Oh, I love. So that's a really good way of getting you to think about it. Now, I recommend everybody watch it. But we've talked about this before. Um, as a non-person of political or social or even financial power, what do I do to help? Like I try to not use single serve plastics and I try to recycle best I can, but to make any sort of real impact, I'd have to devote my whole life to this cause. And quite frankly, I don't want to fucking do that. Like I want to have my privileged, tall, semi-attractive white man experiences while I have the time. You know, we're all sitting down here twiddling our thumbs, asshole billionaires, Musk and Bezos show us, hey, the earth is probably fucked. We're getting out of here. We're going to space. Whatever. I don't know, man. It just takes like a level again of acceptance or just faith that when it comes down to it, what's meant to be will be. Yeah. And what I can control is only what I can control. Yeah. It's very difficult though, right? Well, I think, yeah. When, and I don't think it doesn't all fall on the individual's shoulders. It's a, it's a team effort. We all have to stop using some of these plastics or we all have to make a conscious deliberate effort to, to cut something out of our lives. That's adding more ways. To even that pollution. isn't comparable to the people with a 
abundance of yeah. wealth and yeah. the people who are are polluting the world right. they don't care they don't no, care they about don't care. it they're making good money and i think there's a there's a movement to to put the onus on us on the on the every you're, man yeah, to right. do the single-use plastics but yeah. i don't even think that is such a and i'm gonna do it because it makes me feel better right. but i do compared to the grand scheme of things i just don't know if that's yeah. doing anything compared to what a single person like like a musk or a bezos could do if they right. wanted to devote their life but i can't judge them for not doing it if i'm not gonna do it because i could yeah. technically go uh you know, go tomorrow and go outside and protest and do whatever I can. Not sleep until somebody listens to me. Yeah. Like, I don't want to fucking do that. Yeah, and you don't have to. No, I, I, that's I, the that's the the beautiful thing of choice. And, I guess. But I, you know, you're right. It's not. It isn't up to just us, the people who don't have the financial means to help this. It's up to all of us. It's not just the people who aren't in the places of power. It's every single one of us, the ones who are in power, the ones who aren't in power. It's our it's our home. There's no planet B. I know it's yeah. said all the time. But with anything, with this last fires that came through and wreaked havoc on over 600 homes right before New Year's and displaced people and got rid of everything they had, it's kind of a wake-up call and like really not the most sensitive thing to say. But I think this shit's just going to continue to happen until we yeah. finally click and be like, I was going right, to say, wake up call. Like, there should be, there should have been 50 yeah. wake up calls by now. There's there been, should have been. Since there's the early so, 2000s, yeah, it exactly. just seems like one thing after another. And then there's the theory that like, what will be, will be. There's not, yeah. there, we're not in really any control mm-hmm. of it all. Yeah. But it's hard to, hard to sink that in. It's hard to take that in when there's people obviously going for greed and profit and yeah. don't care about killing the planet yeah. and climate change. And I know we say this, the world will be fine. The earth will be fine, but you want it to be prosperous and peaceful yeah. and to try to do what we can. Very difficult, but really good movie. And just again, just wakes enough people up to mm-hmm. it, I guess. It's a lot about sight too, right? I'm not sure if you remember the Ray Rice incident in football. That sounds familiar. Raven's Wait, running back. he abused his wife or He something? knocked out yeah, his fiance in, in an Atlantic City hotel elevator. Oof. And in the NFL, unfortunately, domestic violence is and always was a problem. Mm-hmm. But you maybe get a one-game suspension, maybe, maybe, here or there, Jesus. leave it up to the courts or whatever. But with the invention of video evidence, yeah. punishment became way more severe. He was yeah. basically, he never played again. Yeah. And he was a great guy. He made one mistake mm-hmm. as opposed to guys who would repeat offenders. But because we can see it, I think we can experience it. Instead of just hearing it or reading it, mm-hmm. we're seeing it. So I'm like, oh. So I guess it's like if a comet is coming, for <laughs> yeah. if the world collectively saw the comet, yeah. I think the major shifts would be had. I agree, yeah. It's also like COVID a little bit. We can't see it. Mm-hmm. Let's say a mythical monster came out of the sky and took 5 million people out and killed them brutally. Yeah. We would have video evidence. We'd be freaking out. Yeah. What, what can we do to stop this? There would be no, well, you know, Trump said this and Sleepy Joe burped out bad. <laughs> it would be like, hey, what can we do to stop this fucking monster from yeah. killing these fat and unhealthy people? Right. Anyway. A lot going on here, but I thought it was a genius way to at least just get across a point through a movie. And yeah. it was also funny and entertaining, too. So, of yeah. course, I, I love that, too. Yeah, well, it's so true, though, that a human being will live in their contentedness until that physical force of change happens That's and the thing. wakes them up of like, yeah. oh, shit. <laughs> that person whose house burned down in the fire is probably more likely now to be anti-climate change. Yeah. Whereas the person who hasn't had an earthquake, anything, I was like, what are you guys talking about? I, I, my family's fine. I'm fine. Yeah. Which kind of stinks, right? It kind of right. blows. But I don't blame people. Again, yeah. again, there's no, it's like the quote, nuance, there's no 100% right answer. Right. This is what Philosophize does. We yep. just try to give you different points of view and different right. perspectives. Right. Last shout out, Timothy Chalamet was my favorite part in the movie. If you're, if you're, if you're oh, already shit. seen he's in Don't Look 
Shao. He's so fucking. I his character Timothy is Shao, fucking man. hilarious. I've never yeah. seen him play a role like that either. So it yeah. brought me, but it caught me by surprise. So That's great. I definitely watch it. And uh, listeners out there, you know what I'm talking about. If you, uh, if you, if you've seen it. Anyway, all of these interesting discussions definitely lead to our very famous Grecian philosopher. And he's got a lot of interesting thoughts on how to live a good life. So do not go away because right after this break, it is POTW time. You are entering a world of infinite possibility. Do not limit yourselves, my friend, for the future is shaped Shut your mouth, let your ears and open up your eyes It's time to analyze one of the brilliant guys And hypothesize all society's lies You gon' learn about your boy Aristotle If he were alive today, he would trump Donald Get in line, spark a J, pop a bottle We goin' Charlie's Angels, full throttle These men are the pillars of philosophy Thomas Hobbes, Epicurus, and Socrates Founding fathers of modern democracy But they laugh today at the hypocrisy Frederick Nietzsche says, God is dead Got some heavy lead, bust to his head We'll give you a reason to get out of bed We'll tell you what the fuck Confucius Said. All this knowledge straight for the taking. Ella Watts, Karl Marx, man, God forsaken. Rene Descartes, Benjamin Franklin, we out here cooking with Francis Bacon. The meek. Bless them titties and them butt cheeks. Just a quail on his peak, squeaking out of his beak. Blessing you with the philosopher of the week. <laughs> we back. <laughs> Shout out, Mezion. Never left you thought. Alright. Thank you as always, cute balls. So, this week's philosopher was an ancient Greek philosopher and sage who founded his own highly influential school of philosophy. He was born on the Greek island of Samos to Athenian parents. Influenced by the Cynics, he turned against Platonism of his day and established his own school, known as the Garden, in Athens. Mm. He and his followers were known for eating simple meals and discussing a wide range of philosophical subjects. He openly allowed women and slaves to join the school as a matter of policy. He is said to have originally written over 300 works on various subjects, but the vast majority of these writings have been lost. Only three letters written by him and two collections of quotes have survived fully intact, along with a few fragments of his other writings. This week's Philosopher of the Week is... Epicurus! Epicurus was born in the Athenian settlement on the Aegean island of Samos in February 341 BC. And BC stands for what, Max? For calories. <laughs> Which was seven years after Plato had died. 
Epicurus's teachings show influences from the contemporary philosophical school of cynicism. Now, cynical has taken its own 21st century definition, but you might not know about their basic philosophies. For the cynics, the purpose of life is to live in virtue, in agreement with nature. As reasoning creatures, people can gain happiness by rigorous training and by living in a way which is natural for themselves, mm. rejecting all conventional desires for wealth, power, and fame, mm. and even flouting conventions openly and derisively in public. Instead, they were to lead a simple life free from all possessions. Mm. What do you think? Does this school be breed strongmen? Ooh, good question. Mm. Yeah, maybe half and half as, yeah, as per, yeah. as per uh, our, our discussion. During Epicurus's lifetime, Platonism was the dominant philosophy in higher education. Epicurus's opposition to Platonism formed a large part of his thought. Over half of the 40 principal doctrines of Epicureanism are flat contradictions to Platonism. So I love that. His whole kind of thing yeah. was based in, in, in opposite of this man who is known as the father of Western yeah, thought, probably right. run rampant. That's how it goes, right? That's it. Yeah. You take it and you, you take it into yourself and you spit out whatever you have within it or against it or whatever. In around 311 BC, Epicurus, when he was around 30 years old, began teaching in Mytilene a city in Greece. But Epicurus's teachings quickly caused major strife in Mytilene, and he was forced to leave. He then founded a school in Lampascus before returning to Athens in 306 BC, where he remained until his death. There, he founded previously referenced the Garden, a school named for the garden he owned that served as the school's meeting place, about halfway between the locations of two other schools of philosophy, the Stoa of the Stoics and the mm -hmm. Academy. The Garden was more than just a school. It was, quote, a community of like-minded and aspiring practitioners of a particular way of life. Mm. Now, I know we have a bunch of different colleges and some specialize in, I don't know, ma mathematics and some business and some art. But imagine if we could pick our college or higher learning based on our fundamental ideas and morals of life. Oh <laughs> we could I do was, it because there's thinking, so many yes. fucking, yes. there's so many universities and they're all the same, all the same like pro programs and shit. It's all the fucking same. Well, if we start our own philosophy school, we would make a killer. Yeah, <laughs> exactly right. And make a lot of strong men. Well, and, we'll, and, yeah, <laughs> and we'll charge reasonable tuition. We yeah. Sink you in the debt. Yeah, hell yeah. I was thinking that on the way over here, though. Like, how cool would it be if we had different schools of thought instead of these schools of, like, business yeah. or, or mathematics or physics? Yeah, well, Not that those aren't important. No, and it but is. Like, and they are. They're necessary for a well-rounded society. Right. But, but we're missing the school of philosophy. Yeah, it shouldn't right? be the whole I don't, thing. I don't, I don't, I don't, maybe it's out there. We can check. But I don't know of a university or school that specializes in philosophy. I'm sure there's dominant philosophy. There's got to But even, yeah. like, going deeper even to, like, um, studying Plato Platonistic yeah, philosophy versus right. Epicurean philosophy. Right. Like, that would be really cool too, you know? Yeah, it would. His school, anyway, was the first of the ancient Greek philosophical schools to admit women as a rule rather than cool. an exception. Cool. Epicurus, the, the feminist. Yeah. It's funny, you know, as a boy with a, a strong, intelligent mom, I've never, like, once considered that I don't, like women aren't worthy of, like, the same yeah. intellectual capability. Like, it's something that's, like, oh, some other people have thought that. Like, I've never... Right. So it's always odd to me looking at history of women and education again. Right. But, again, another discussion for a very I've different I've always thought day. women were smarter. I think as, as a whole, are. I don't as think I have species, any doubt. They're smarter, I don't think yeah. I have any... I've always said the... The ceiling might be higher for men. Right. I know you came and said, I'm not fucking today. But <laughs> the floor is much higher for women. Like, there's yeah. so many more yep. dumb dudes than there are dumb women. That's a good point. <laughs> That's my That's theory, good point. at least. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So before we get in too much trouble, um, he lived in Athens. Um, and then he taught there. He ate simple meals and died. And uh, we always like to go over how they die. So. Isn't this horrible? Before, that, yeah, it's not good. We, yeah. I quoted it originally on the live on the live That's show, right, I think, yeah. at one point. Um, so Epicurus died a slow and painful death in 270 BC at the age of 72. Again, pretty old, pretty good yeah, age to that, die at that, for, that time. Before the cheese. Era. And he That's died, good. unfortunately, from a stone blockage of his urinary tract. Oh, 
Despite being in immense pain, though, Epicurus, uh, I keep saying Epicurus, which he would love probably, Epicurus is said to have remained cheerful and to have continued to teach until the very end. How do we know this, you ask? Well, we have a direct quote from a letter from Epicurus on his deathbed. Mm. I have written this letter to you and a happy day to me, which is also the last day of my life. For I have been attacked by a painful inability to urinate and also dysentery, so violent that nothing can be added to the violence of my sufferings. But the cheerfulness of my mind, which comes from the recollection of any of, of my philosophical contemplation, counterbalances all these afflictions. And I beg you to take care of the children of Metrodorus mm-hmm. in a manner worthy of the devotion shown by a young man to me and to philosophy. Woo! I love Damn, that. Damn, that's huge. Yeah, he has so much on death. We're going to get into that a little bit. I heard a, a little snippet on a podcast that he, Epicurus was talking about the freedom of pain and how freeing pain is. I, that's such a good way of looking yeah, at it. Yeah, interesting. I think there's so much in our in my ex- own experience and in the world in general of like the avoidance of pain. But yeah. him viewing pain as this uh, this like gateway to freedom. Right. right. It, it's like it's just like, so like if, there's a lot of pain in life. It's just gotta, like our conversation embrace. that we've been having this yeah. whole time. It's like you can't like a, a, like pl- you can't go around pain either. You yeah. Know? A lot right. of times, I actually was just watching the show. I'm actually going to bring up on the next episode. So I don't want to get too much into it, but they talk about how it's painkillers and how America got was the uh, opiate epidemic and in Germany they couldn't sell it in Germany because they Uh, believe that um, suffering is healing suffering is part of the healing process and when I heard that I was like duh I was like fucking duh like why why are we always trying to avoid it the never ending story no a couple people have have asked me that and I because you know me I've seen every I've heard about it I've never even heard of this cheesy ass 80s movie that I would always watch when I was homesick from school my mom introduced me to it um, but there's a line that a specific like sorceress lady has that she's like healing these guys after they got hurt um, that she says it still sticks with me today is, is it has to hurt if it's to heal. And I was yeah. like, holy shit. It makes so much sense. It makes sense. so much yeah, sense. As like, opposed to instead get, of avoiding it, like, yeah. going into it and being like, oh, this is healing. It like right. sucks, but I'm freeing myself from this pain by feeling. Yeah. And it's like a nuance with the quotes. What doesn't kill you makes you stronger. Right. 99% is true. Obviously, if you, you know, someone cut your head off, you, yeah. or I guess if you cut all four of your arms off right. or whatever, you're not necessarily not going to get stronger. Right. But mostly I agree with that. Right. Like we've, it's basically what we've been talking about the whole time. It's like it breeds, like, you know, it does trauma. The right amount, healthy amount of trauma yeah. breeds the correct kind and of strength. And with the right resources behind you. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Yeah. So true. So let's take a look at Epicureanism overall, which has gotten a bit of a negative connotation throughout time. And we'll get into why that is. Epicureanism is an ancient philosophy based on the teaching of Epicurus of Samos. Duh. <laughs> he bases thinking on a, on a few simple physical principles and built from them an all-encompassing philosophy. At its simplest, Epicureanism can be summed up as the belief that pleasure is good, pain is bad. It is a misinterpretation of this which has led to Epicureans being painted as depraved pleasure seekers. <laughs> Epicurus taught that pleasure is good and should be pursued but that not all pleasures were worth getting. If a pleasure requires a lot of pain to reach, this is perfect for what we were fucking talking yeah. about. The yeah. <laughs> you didn't even know we were going to be talking no. about this. So if a pleasure requires a lot of pain to reach or gives pain in the long run, then it's foolish to go for it. On the other hand, not all pains are to be avoided if they give pleasure in the long run. Yeah. So while Epicureanism is a form of hedonism, it is a lot more contemplative than hedonism is usually assumed to be. The careful weighing of the outcomes of our actions reveals which pains and pleasures Mm. we should introduce into our lives. Mm. Great stuff, right? Yeah, that's awesome. Epicurus was a part of tradition in classical Greece of quasi-scientific thinkers. He based his notion of physics on those of atomists, Mm -hmm. those who study atoms. All that existed, they and Epicurus taught, were atoms and the void they move in. All things that we can sense are productions of the movement and compounding of atoms. 
He came up with the theory of like, the swerve theory or whatever he came up with. The atoms don't collide; they swerve out. Oh no! Did he something like swerve that. a I girl heard. from dinner or something? And yeah. decided to come up with that. It's, it's so, the atoms, babe. Yeah, yeah right. Was it me? <laughs> um, all right. So he took this belief and applied it to the human soul. Mm. The mind is simply a product of atoms acting within us. On death, these atoms disperse, and the mind is thus broken up. There is not a mortal soul which continues after death. This means that all our concerns should be with the life we lead before death. While Epicureans in the ancient world were and still often are called atheists, Epicurus did not believe in gods. These uh, are, sorry, Epicurus did believe in gods. Mm. These gods were made of atoms, exist within the universe, and take no interest in humanity. They live lives of com- complete tranquility. This position and the unusual nature of the Epicurean gods does lend itself to atheism, but is not a requirement of the philosophy. Mm. A theistic interpretation of Epicureanism is entirely possible. So this is like, I think we read this like on our live show one time. I always love that. Just how the, his feeling, it's not my beliefs, but his feelings of the gods are tranquil beings. Yeah. It's kind of cool. I just like that. They don't, like, why would they care about us? You know, yeah. why, these are humans experiencing the universe experience itself. Right. It has nothing to do with me sitting here just living tranquil. Right. Or these gods are all us and they say, hey, let's go experience Earth again. And this right. tranquility is getting fucking boring. Yeah, let's right. go fucking see <laughs> what kind of pain I can go through. Yeah. Kind of thing, you know? So... How would an Epicurean advise us on how to live life? Mm. There were and are so many answers to the question of how we should live our lives. A philosophy which aims to be complete must offer us guidance. Epicurus asked what motivates humans, all Mm. living things really. What makes us want to do something? Pleasure, he thought. What makes us not want to do something? Pain, he thought. We like pleasure since we are going to disappear on death in his uh, theory. We should focus on the things which make us happy. What is the point of living a virtuous life if it makes you miserable? Mm. You end up just as dead in the end. Everyone ends up the same. Epicurus therefore rejected the idea of being beholden to society. He withdrew with his followers to the garden where they studied how to live a good life. He actually called it the good life. Nice. What is the good life, you ask? Epicurus separated our desires into categories. There are those that are natural and necessary. And those are required by life. Food, shelter, necessities of survival. Mm -hmm. Then you have natural but unnecessary. These are those things that nature has shaped for us, but that we can survive without. We might like drinking wine, but water, water serves us better. Mm. Uh, and then there's unnatural desires. These are the ones that must be cultivated before we even desire them at all. Addiction to cigarettes would be an example. Yeah. But so would any overly refined desire. For Epicurus, um, our focus should be in filling those desires, which are natural and necessary. We cannot avoid eating if we wish to live. So we should take pleasure in the simple fare that removes the pain of hunger. If you take pleasure in just removing the pain of hunger, then you will not be disappointed when you don't receive, you know, a four-star Michelin meal. Mm. But it is natural to desire delicious food. It is in the realm of desires which are natural but not necessary that we have to train ourselves. We might want the world-class chef to cook our meal, but it's unlikely we'll have him every day. (laughs) So we have to get used to not having it. But should it appear on our table, then we should totally take pleasure from it. Obviously, unnatural desires should be scorned. Why? Because their removal causes pain. Can you guarantee that you always have an adequate supply of your drug of choice? Anyone who has suffered a caffeine headache might warn people away mm. from that addiction. Yeah. The vision of desires will tend towards the simple life. Epicureanism will not lead to a riotous orgies, at least not all the, <laughs> not all the time. Uh, pleasure is still good. You just have to take care with which ones you introduce to your daily life. Mm. I love this yeah, so much. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so obsessed so with Epicurus. Of course, like any philosopher, a short summary like this will never do credit to Epicureanism, like any of the philosophies we go over. Mm -hmm. But we definitely know Epicurus placed huge importance on friendship. That was his biggest Mm. thing was friendship. Mm. Quote, of all the means to ensure happiness throughout the whole life, by far the most important is the acquisition of friends. Mm. 
and um, I actually have the statement that was written as the people first entered the garden. It was all it was um, it was written on the like on, on the, the garden. Yeah, you want to hear it? Yeah, stranger, here you would do well to tarry, for here our highest good is pleasure. Ooh. That's pretty honest. I also really don't know what tarry means, yeah, but I have I mean, to like I'm guessing through context. It means like don't like worry or hurry right, up or yeah. just chill out, man. We're here for the good pleasure, yeah, man. Like right. just like relax. We'll get there. Up, like we'll get there. That's yeah. kind of how I took it. I don't know yeah, if that's what tarry. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if it's like stems from tar if it's like yeah. i know the tar and feathered was like a big thing back there yeah. i don't know so epicurus was aware that deeply ingrained habits of thought are not easily corrected and thus he proposed various exercises to assist the novice his system included advice on the proper attitude towards politics his advice was avoid it where possible <laughs> <laughs> and then he had his advice with the gods which i already went over do not imagine that they concern themselves with human beings and their behavior he went over the role of sex, marriage, and friendship, and he thought friendship by far was the most important out of the three of those things. Wow. And lastly, reflections on the nature of sciences, where he always said, just always keep an open mind, which is, I love all these things. That's awesome. um, although this overall structure of Epicureanism was designed to hang together and to serve in principal ethical goals, there was room for a great deal of intriguing philosophical argument concerning every aspect of the system, from the speed of atoms in a void to the origin of optical illusions. Sounds like a fucking fun-ass time to yeah, us. Like we does. always say this. Every time we go over, like, where Plato met with his guys, where Socrates met with his guys, it's like, man, I just want to fucking yeah, go hang out right? there. It's like my purpose, and I, and I don't think it exists anymore. Like you, yeah. you we gotta saying, make it. I know, you even yeah. saying before, starting off school of philosophy, I was like, wait a minute. Yeah. Yeah. They just fucking walked That's to the garden did, and did it. Yeah. Uh, it was, Socrates just walked to Athens and just yeah. talked to people until he eventually had enough people around. Right. Interesting. So Epicureanism, you might have heard it through like hedonism as we explained before. Maybe it's like pleasure, pleasure is good, pain's bad, which we know it's more nuanced than that now. Absolutely. Pain for pleasure. So yeah. I wondered why he was so misunderstood. So I looked up a little bit about this. So obviously, as I said, Epicureanism is nowadays commonly understood to mean seeking out pleasure and then enjoying these things to excess, whether mm. it's drinking too much, eating too much, having too much sex. But Epicurus, Epicurus, goddammit, himself was surprisingly quite a frugal and restrained fellow. Yeah. Did you say something before when I said the, the time, something about a food? Oh, what? You said the era. Oh, but... Uh... Yeah, before, before the cheese. Is that true? Because it says here, a bit of cheese in, now and then was, by all accounts, is the most indulgent his taste ever. No, I was just okay. firing out <laughs> of my ass. fucking hysterical. <laughs> That's so funny. I just didn't know. I was like, was cheese in there? When did they fucking learn about cheese? Pasteurization? I don't know. Do you have a favorite cheese? Yeah. If I had to, uh, extra sharp cheddar. Extra sharp cheddar. Yeah. Interesting. Or blue cheese. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah I... I, I didn't like cheese as a kid. Didn't try any. Didn't uh, when I went to get pizza, I would rip all the cheese off of it. Oh, it's shit. so different now. Yeah. It, it tastes change. Your cells change every seven years. Your taste buds right. change every seven years. I have to be boring and say if I could only eat one, it would be mozzarella. Because if oh. I would legally marry a New Jersey would pizza, I would. Yeah, <laughs> so right. Every time I go back to Jersey, I have a full ass pie to myself. Oh, hell yeah. usually, and it's always so much. Yeah. I'm always like, nah, it's good in dinner. It's fine. I'm like, no, it's, it's not, just incredible. It's here. not the same. But um, I also really like Colby Jack recently. The Colby Ooh, Jack. Colby Jack. Uh, not just a porn star name, but also cheese <laughs> and i got some from i get some you like pepper jack too pepper jack's great yeah. i really there's not many cheeses i don't like there's some i like less than others but. i can't stand american cheese okay can't stand wow it. even like on the pork or leg and cheese uh, down in the jersey show that's that usually I can white, fuck with. white yeah. american yeah. usually and occasionally on a burger 
but like those craft American singles that yeah. come individually wrapped, yeah. it's not cheese. No, it's, it's like not. little pieces of plastic. No, it's always freaked me out a little yeah, bit. It's cheese scary. sticks and stuff and like it that. Smells I want like a high cheese. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fucking yeah. <laughs> high cheese. cheese. But yeah, they sell the ones that sprouts and they, they just, I can eat them by the handful, which I never thought yeah. I'd be able to do. Cheese is very good. So apparently it was Epicurus uh, post cheese era. I was, I was able to enjoy that. It's fucking hilarious. All right. So uh, why is Epicureanism taken this negative connotation over the years, you ask? Well, it's largely a result of a smear by the great rival school of philosophy to the Epicureans, the Stoics, which Ooh. we'll get into at some point. Yeah. Founded by Zeno of Sidium, the Stoics preach fortitude and self-control at all times and deliberately mischaracterize the Epicureans as irresponsible pleasure seekers. They're actually more like responsible pleasure seekers, yeah, right. which is what I crave to be. Yeah. A Stoic philosopher summed up Epicurus's teachings as eating, drinking, copulation, shitting, and snoring, which by all accounts sounds like a full-ass life to me. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> all right so um, Epicurus also exerted a colossal, a, a colossal influence on later classical writers and philosophers. Perhaps the most important work which Epicurus inspired was Roman poet Lucretius. Uh, it's called De Rerum Natura, uh, variously translated as On the Nature of Things and On the Nature of Reality. I advise you to look that up. Both Lucretius and Epicurus believed that the universe was composed of atoms and that these atoms often, though not always, act in a way that is down to chance rather than to divine will or guidance. So this, put more simply, Max, is one of what I've come to believe, at least in in our, one of our differences in philosophies, at least according to me over the times of our discussions, and where your big thing is like you say everything happens for a reason, yeah. where I push back on that. And I think it's mostly random and there's yeah. some things that happen for for so that you'll find half philosophers believe everything yeah. happens for a reason. Half of them believe that it's all random. I'm starting to shift more Uh-oh. to... As I specifically after this year, I just, uh, <laughs> yeah, after COVID. I'm under the the impression now that there really is no rhyme or reason to the way things happen. We're the ones who put the reason on it, mm. and yeah, as a way to cope, as a way to make it life feel easier, whatever you want to call it. Uh, yeah, I, I'm very much of the mindset now that there really is no rhyme or reason to it. We're the ones who just apply the story or the yeah. reason. I would because feel... when you look, what, or when I look back in my own life. I can say why that happened because then it because then it led me to make a certain decision or Correct. To, to you can always look back in hindsight. It. Yeah, right. Um, but in the moment, no, it like I, there was no reason. If anything, it sucked that it happened. Yes, and now I had to this adapt random and thing. Unfortunately, sometimes random bad things happen to yeah. good people. Yeah, and I don't. But I would be arrogant to say. I'm 100% sure. I have no fucking clue. I just, yeah, I, yeah. all my beliefs are pretty much like 5149. Yeah, so right. 5149, I think it's more random. But I definitely think there's some things that are there yeah. to push our path along Absolutely. for a reason. Absolutely. Just, it always, it was always very difficult for me. Um, you know, what is it? It's like the time, you know, we always read about the horrible things that priests do or the yeah. horrible things that you know, happens to, you know, senseless tragedies where somebody's kidnapped and has to live 10 years with their kidnapper. I'm like, well, what could possibly be the reason for that? Right. And you're applying, like you said, coping mechanism to yeah. it. A lot of times where it's like, well, it had to have a reason. Otherwise we're fucked. Like we, yeah, have, right. we have no control or anything yeah. like that. So I, I, I just found it so fascinating that these guys dealt with the atoms and, and, and all that. Well, and the other thing that's so fascinating to me at that time in history that they were even discussing atoms like, yeah where did they even get the idea right. of that he got a lot of his Holy early shit. influence from two atomists I, yeah. I, I let there i don't even know i'm saying that right atomists <laughs> atomists but there's there again i was like there's two famous atomists in the fucking yeah. 370 bc right. I was like, i'm a lot dumber than i think <laughs> all right so anyway epicureanism believes in a higher power 
uh, like we've said a couple times, but believes that higher power does not really concern itself with us feeble humans, mm-hmm. which again, like I, I we already probably got this out where you talked about, but I, I guess it supports my theory that we come to this earth to have a unique universal experience of yeah. itself. So it does seem like, like we were just saying, Epicurus uh, was ahead of his time. Karl Marx, future POTW, wrote his doctoral thesis on the differences between Epicurus's and Democritus's views of nature. Mm. That was his uh, right. thesis. Schopenhauer and Nietzsche were also huge admirers of Epicurus's outlook with the eternally ailing Nietzsche. Everyone knows it's one of my mm-hmm. favorites. He mm-hmm. had um, headaches his entire life. That's what brought him to oh. philosophy a lot of times since he was in so much pain. And he loved looking at Epicurus's ability to remain cheerful while suffering from the yeah. terminal. So that, that I think that gave him a lot of confidence. Out of all this, what really stuck out to me out of many things, but Epicurus's views of friendship was really, really cool. It's hard yeah. to make friends as we get older, right? Yeah. It was easy as kids. Hey, you want to hang out? We're both, you sure. know, dudes, whatever. We're all yeah. chicks. Uh, <laughs> I'm so blessed to be still be really close with my friends I met literally as a baby before I could yeah. talk, but uh, it's so important. And um, let's get into it before we hit our quotes section and get out of here. So Epicurus placed an extremely high value on friendship. A saying with rather a more po- poetic flair than is normal for Epicurus says, quote, Friendship goes dancing around the world, announcing to all of us to wake up to happiness. Mm. Love that one. Epicurus held the view that a wise man would feel the torture of a friend no less than his own and would die for a friend rather than betray him, for otherwise his own life would be confounded. These are powerfully altruistic sentiments for a philosopher who posits as the unique goal in life happiness based on freedom of physical pain and mental anxiety. Mm. Old Epic was a good friend to have, probably. And there's something that stood out to me in all that where he says a wise man would feel torture of a friend no less than his own. Yeah. There seems to be a little bit of a movement I've heard from Jamie or my ex or therapist that sacrifice for each other is not great. <laughs> but, yeah. but in my life, once I started to sacrifice for others in my relationships became better. Now I'm, I'm let's say like, I don't know what the right word is talented in the way I will not sacrifice for someone who wouldn't sacrifice for me. Yeah. But my best relationships, and there's only two of them, I think. Yeah. Are a result of us a result of us feeling each other's pain, his or her pain, my best friend's pain, sometimes mm-hmm. is worse than yeah. mine. Yeah. And I feel closer to him than anyone I've ever felt closer. Right. Do you know what I'm getting at? Yeah. So in the in the there is this thing, and I have friends who are people pleasers mm-hmm. and exes and, and stuff who I've met. And yes, it's so important for them to not sacrifice themselves. But we have to be careful because when I have sacrificed myself, and I'm only speaking anecdotally, mm-hmm. I was not, I, I grew up and I was like, me, me, me first. And yeah. no, I'm going to put myself first. And then this will all work out. And I realized at some point, no, I got to Like, if I want to be in this real friendship, in this real loving friendship, mm-hmm. I got to sacrifice a little yeah. bit. I got to put a, a, away a need. So it's about, it's nuance. It's about yeah. doing it the right way. Yeah. Anything come up for you? Yeah. I, I love, yeah. It's about doing it the right way. And when I think of this, what comes up for me is the spiritual warrior in doing what's right, taking right action and acting from the heart and doing what's right isn't always feel good oftentimes when you're supposed to do the right thing if it scares you yeah it's probably the right thing to do mm. in my experience um but there's a particular thing i read in a book i read a while back um i don't remember the name of the book at this point but it talks about in becoming the spiritual warrior the spiritual warrior has to make a life decision whether it is his life path or anything like that and there's a there's a grieving period after he makes that decision so take for example making this decision to pursue your big your life's dream the grief that comes up from after that from that is sacrificing all the things you can no longer pursue mm-hmm. in the pursuit of that particular dream. Yes. Because like it or not, you're going to have to let go of some things in pursuit of the one thing that you ultimately really want to build. Whether you're sacrificing 10 minutes off of this, 20 minutes off of that, that's great. 
you don't have to sacrifice things entirely, mm -hmm. but I think you have to sacrifice like the spiritual warrior knows that there's a, there's a level of sacrifice that comes from making the right decision and sticking to that. Of course. Decision. Yeah. Even when I talked about, yeah. when I brought up before about the, if I wanted to change what, how we deal with climate change, I would have to, for, I would have to let yeah. go of this, this and this. And I'm mm -hmm. literally, you can call me a bad guy. I'm not willing to do that. I'm not right. willing to sacrifice for the climate change that I may or may not have. Yeah. Go, go. And if I can speak to in relationship, um, for myself personally, when I moved in with Jamie, there were some sacrifices I had to make. There were some sacrifices of old ways of being that I had to let go mm -hmm. of in order to show up more yes. fully in my relationship that my ego, myself, my prideful self had a really hard time letting go of. Yeah. And I had to sacrifice that. And as much as like internally, there was the struggle of me not wanting to let go of that because I identified with that part of myself of so yeah. much. Oh, I knew it, it was, yeah, I knew it was for the better of mm -hmm. both myself and Jamie. Because and this friendship, this in friendship you have with Jamie is so clear. Exactly. You feel that like you become close. You become right. one. You become this like battle yeah. and you're in it together. When you right. can become, when you can see, you have to sacrifice a little bit of yourself because then you mm -hmm. can, her pain, I'm sure. I know you like her mm -hmm. pain. If she was ever in, you would feel it just as much. Absolutely. But, some, yeah. but you're such a feeler that even more than me, you might feel it too much. Yeah. So then it'll halt. So then it'll halt you. Where I, that's my genetic composition. That doesn't really right. have something I have to worry about. Yeah. So I'm open to hearing everyone's different right. experiences about it. That's just what came up for me. Yeah. Right no, you're absolutely right. That. With how much of a sensitive person I am, I, there are times when I am feeling things too much, and I have to make another sacrifice in that yeah, moment the, where it's like the other I got to choose me now. Yeah. As much as I want to be there for you, mm -hmm. in order to continue to show up for you, I got to step aside and take care of me yes. right now. And that's been a big part of my work. Of like, that's and that's kind of what my therapist yeah. talks about a lot. Yeah. And and it's, but it's hard as a person who, who wasn't like that necessarily, who I don't necessarily give myself enough. And mm -hmm. I'm, it's again, we're being, it's, it's maybe not nuanced enough even still. Yeah. Having this uh, sacrifice and getting connection with someone and feeling their pain and, mm -hmm. and the torture. It's, it's so scary though, because there's a lot of people who will take advantage of that yep. and won't do the same. So you really have to be sure that that person is the same, is giving right. you the same kind of thing and sacrificing the mm -hmm. same amount or not sacrificing the yeah. same amount, whatever it feels for you. And I don't think I could ever do it with more than like four mm -hmm. or five people. Yeah. It's hard enough for me to get super close to two or three people to really right. care because I'm right. also empathetic and I also feel that pain. So if I was already, if I was putting seven people in my life where I was feeling all their pain as yeah. much as mine, how the fuck am I going to exist? Yeah. I can't, I can't yeah. go on and do my own thing. When I feel like that's where clear firm boundaries come into play mm -hmm. with yourself and with other people and direct communication understanding uh, your own needs and what you right. need and what you can do in sacrifice because again again mm -hmm. this is the theme of this might be the title of the episode nuance it's we're all yeah. so complex and right. so different and yet the same so mm -hmm. it's like you know you had to balance that out yeah i think in in my experience and, and just that personal theory and philosophy that i have is in any relationship friendship intimate family there's a small, if not larger than small level of sacrifice that happens at some point in the relationship. To have a really yeah, it's, good relationship that yeah, one that Epicurus is talking I about. I think it's unavoidable. Yeah. I think it's, it's a part of the process. And I think, at least in my experience with Jamie, the times that I have sacrificed and looking back at it, it's like, oh, she really just saw this was a, a part of my growth that I needed to let go of in order to step in to be the man that I know can be, that she yeah. knows that I can be. Right. And as much as I was like having a hissy fit about it and upset that I had to let go of this, when I finally did, I was like, I feel so much closer to you now. Yeah, and right. Like, I'm open, so much more open to love and right. so much more open to connection because I let go of this old belief. Yeah. And now and I can be more fully there. So a sacrifice in a sense, yes, but a sacrifice for my highest good. So maybe, if, and again, there's a lot more nuance here. Yeah, but. you can't sacrifice to the sacrifice of yourself, right? Because if you start yeah. to, if it's if it start to hurt you, mm -hmm. in, in, if you have in the perfect relationship, that person will recognize yeah. that and come back. Hey, you don't have to blah 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 do this. It's mm -hmm. basically just equality and just being on the same page. 
boundaries, direct communication, right. and being able to sacrifice friendships, relationships, whatever, yeah. the same amount. You don't want someone sacrificing more unless it's nuanced and two right. people different. Two people are different. Yeah. So I think and that was you know, well some, said. Some people might look at my description and say that's not really a sacrifice, and maybe it's not. Maybe I'm wrong. I'm open to more discussion around that. But for me, it felt like sacrifice in that yeah. moment. And, and if, now that I'm on the other side of it, I'm like, oh, thank fucking God I let go of that. And okay. Like, yeah. Because I was, was going to say, even if you chose, hey, you know what? I don't think I want to sacrifice. I think yeah. I'd be fine with that too. And yeah. that's just, that's in the Epicurus would say, well, life would be probably better with sacrifice and friendships yeah. in the relationships right. that we have. But some people might not. It might, yeah. It's just one guy, one really smart guy. So right. I always want to say for anyone, you know, it's like yeah. whatever you choose is, is, is great. Just don't hurt anybody else and right. be clear and whatever. Mm-hmm. So, so in closing, it must be remembered that Epicurus understood the task of philosophy first and foremost as a form of therapy for life. Mm. And since mm. philosophy that does not heal the soul is no better than medicine Oof. that cannot cure the body, uh, a life free Love of mental that. anxiety and open to the enjoyment of other pleasures was deemed equal to that of the gods. Mm. He was famously content with little, since on such a small a diet, a small delicacy is as good as a feast, mm. in addition to which it is easier to achieve self-sufficiency. And as Epicurus is quoted as saying, the greatest benefit of self-sufficiency is freedom. Mm. So I like this Epicurus guy. Uh, I'd say we naturally share probably more in common philosophically than Plato for me, yeah. a, a little bit at least. Too, yeah. uh, but as it goes with all philosophers, as we're saying, you can take what you like, you can leave what you don't like. Yeah. No man is 100% right or 100% wrong. Yeah. You got to live according to your own philosophy. Yeah. This is what you do. You can, this yeah. is why it's so cool. At uh, Thanksgiving, I said I was thankful for all the information. I can, t- I can go over all these philosophers yeah. yep. and say, hey, Epicurus, I like some of this stuff. I'm going to take this. This stuff, I'm going to fucking shove yeah. it. This stuff with Aristotle. Whoa, that's cool. Bring that in. Right. Wait, you didn't like black people? Shove that away. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> I don't think that's, I don't want to put uh, Aristotle in any kind of racism. <laughs> but that's just one, maybe one example. So anything else before we go to quotes? Uh, the only th- quote that that brought up for me was Bruce Lee's quote of absorb what is true for you and reject what isn't. And it's a good, your own life philosophy from there. It's a good thing to, if we said that before every podcast, yeah. that would be good because it's yeah. such a good thing to remember when learning everything, not just philosophy, yeah. but especially. And I think philosophy. a mistake that I made when I first stepped in foot into like these big philosophical figures was taking everything they said as the Because they're so truth. smart. They're so smart. It would be so hard, especially yeah. if you, I can imagine being like around them, yeah. hearing them talk yeah. with such confidence and being like, yeah, because everything, yeah. they're so smart that they make everything sound right. 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 But everything is not right for the individual, as we've exactly. said hundred thousand times in this episode yeah i feel like i'm now so at this true. point in my life where i'm like oh you know that that resonates with me mm, that not so much yeah and, I'm like, and i think any great philosopher would agree yeah would agree yep. with the, hey this is the way i see it this is the way my confi- configuration right. of genetics and experience and soul has has come out to for me to believe you yeah. take what you want I'm, I'm sure not all of them would say that i hope yeah. i want to hope some of the cool ones would yeah. say that but all right we have some quotes here's this one on a deeper quote on god from him mm. quote is God willing to prevent evil, but not able? Ooh. Then he is not omnipotent. Is he able, but not willing? Then he's malevolent. Ooh. Is he both able and willing? Then whence cometh evil? Is he neither able nor willing? Then why would we call him God? Mm. Makes sense to me. It reminds me of one of my favorite quotes by Marcus Aurelius on God, which I won't bring up now because he's a future POTW. I don't want to get it. But yeah. in the realm uh, with my feelings on a singular God, why would God give us life, but then, you know, simply... We talked about this before. Let a priest in his name rape young children or yeah. accumulate wealth through devious means. Why would a God let that happen? And if he wants to intervene, but he can't, if he physically can't, well, then he is he really a God? Mm. And that's where Epicurus is like, that's where people think he's an uh, atheist because it comes, it's like, the, again, it's more of the singular God yeah. feeling. And it makes some sense. It at least triggers the mind a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? 
And uh, I like how they put it in Ishmael when they were referring to the gods, and the gods made a pact amongst themselves to not get involved with, with there humans. There you go. So that would and really like, let life down there. Like, here are these almighty creators, and they're just going to let their creation run free and do what it needs to do without yes. getting involved. Because as soon as they get involved, that's when shit gets muddled up. And if you look at like, like Greek uh, mythology, or even I'm reading a book on Norse mythology right now, anytime the gods get meddled in the affairs of giants or men, it always gets really messy and, and shit gets weird. Yeah, and again, <laughs> goes back to my spiritual philosophy, if I have to say it once, I'll say it a million times, where the gods sent us here. Why would yeah. they, after we, yeah. we chose, maybe, our soul chose to be here to have this experience bad and good why would the gods inter- intervene yeah, because right. we were the ones who chose it and we just don't know it now but those horrible atrocities are inexperienced whether yeah. you know they are horrible in our earth life we yeah. just don't know now we're getting a little too but that's you know what i talk mm-hmm. about all the time so i might as well back yeah, it up a little bit absolutely all right number two the things you really need are few and easy to come by mm. but the things you can imagine you need are infinite Ooh. and you will never be satisfied Ooh. That is such a great anti-American yeah. philosophy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which leads to one more, That's then we'll so talk about true. it. Leads to one more, a simple by Mr. Uris. Um, <laughs> not what we have, but what we enjoy constitutes our abundance. Mm. Same kind of thing. It's yep. you know, it's it's what we enjoy. It's not all the material possessions that we have. What do you enjoy? If those material possessions you enjoy then awesome but a lot of times people buy a bunch of things and do you really enjoy it be grateful for what's right in front of you yeah and the, and the so, things you really need are so, few and easy to come by they're yeah, easy to come by necessarily are. yeah like good well at least i'd say for privileged us right life. now in our privileged life that we yep, have but but, and even today it. not everyone has this privilege but i was thinking things of just like clean water like, yes how often i take that for granted and how it's so true abundantly I, right in front i of say this all the time the sewer system yeah what the yeah, fuck dude. do you have any idea the romans helped out us out it's so yeah. a disease and everything that goes along with fecal matter like our i barely have like once in a while my toilet gets clogged and i'm like <laughs> it's just the easiest thing in the world and yeah. it's already here everything's yeah. already fu- I, sh- right. I was born and i'm like oh i didn't have to do any of this it's all yeah. set up for me i'm just yeah. taking off the it's like uh the road plug it and play anyone yeah. complaining about road work can go fuck themselves <laughs> yeah. inc- america does a lot of things bad our road system is incredible yeah. it was so easy for me to drive across country you know why because people you know, they, they build these roads for future people. Yeah. Where's the quote? It's the uh, society will, will flourish once people start planting trees in our future societies to, to, to sit under. Yeah. And that's yeah. so damn true. Ooh, and that's like road that. work a lot. Like it's really hard to do. It's really hard. We talk about it the is. climate change. Don't look up. Like, unless you're directly impacted, it takes a really strong person to do things for future centuries right yeah, for the yeah. it's really hard even i struggle with it at times like yeah if i go get down on myself for a couple of weeks i'm like well fuck it why am i gonna help out some yeah. imaginary person who may or may not even give a fuck yeah when i'm suffering but it's like no i believe in humanity i've had been lucky enough to be born here with a sewer system yeah. and the roads so i need to do something to at least help uh, the existence of, of other people like there's a there's a biblical quote that makes me think of about how the flesh screams to service and in, in the sense of like screams when we have to do things for the good of others because it's like i'm sacrificing my time and i'm i can very much get in this mindset of like oh, i don't want to do this yeah do that um but then after having done it kind of talking about that you stress afterwards i'm like oh i feel so much better. oh so much better like, the pain in the moment of like sacrificing my time that sucked but afterwards it was a worthy sacrifice yeah helped some people out because of it i agree that's great stuff from epicurus another one on happiness hmm. Happiness is a man's greatest aim in life. Tranquility and rationality are the cornerstones of happiness. Mm. So this is definitely true for me. As I've matured in life, it's kind of went from, well, if it feels good, I'm going to do it and fuck everyone else. (laughs) And it's went from like, 
if it's bad, like I'm not interested in it. If it feels good, I'll do it. Now it's, if it feels good, I'll do it, but only if I'm doing it properly and not hurting anyone else. So I believe to reach these levels of true happiness, you must properly feel all the feelings as we've been saying. So when I'm in sadness or I don't know, the regret, or if you look at anger like that, I want to experience it, go through it as we were talking about before, feel it fully so I can properly feel that happiness. But the ultimate goal is always happiness for me. Yeah. You get what I'm saying? Absolutely. And it makes me think of, and I've mentioned this in one of our earlier episodes, the thing that I've been working towards when I'm in those difficult emotions is realizing that even in the midst of this pain, this sadness, this discomfort, I'm whole. I'm complete. There's yeah, nothing there's wrong, wrong with me yeah, there's not like, for having this experience. Yeah, it's not like in it, when, you, when you are happy, you're not going to be more whole version of yourself. Right. It's yeah. just a different version right, of yourself. Exactly. Maybe you'll be happier in the moment and be more right, pleasant, right. but you can't get to that real pleasant, like yeah. the real happiness, unless you do the bad stuff properly in, right in my, that's what i've learned over my maturity yep. of the years my maturity still got a long ways to go all right uh epicurus agreed because the next quote you don't develop courage by being happy in your relationships every day you develop it by surviving difficult times and challenging adversity mm. so mm. talk about friendships that's uh, this obviously comes much more up in romantic relationships for yeah. me because that's um as, as i've said i've struggled in commitment although i love uh, women and love being in relationship and yeah. being loved into love. So you can't just, it can't just be happy all the time. It's no. the very same thing we were just talking about. Yeah. yeah. It's like yeah. once you survive those difficult, I love what Jamie talks about all the time about uh, rupture and repair. Yep. You rupture the thing and then you repair it like a muscle. You break mm-hmm. it and it gets yeah. stronger. Right. You have a fight right. or you have a disagreement or you have a problem. You go, you get over that and then you're stronger as mm-hmm. opposed to just being happy all the time, which right. is not fucking a real thing. Yeah. It's like impossible. Well, if you think, are, you're lying yeah. to yourself. Disney ruined that for us. Disney yeah. made it out to Possibly. Be... Although if you look well, at the I Disney, mean, they go through the heroes journey right. usually even yeah. like cinderella and all those like, i should kind of things. i mean that's i know what you're a, saying a blanket though. statement but more older disney films and i think just romantic films in general yes with the, the exception yeah. of a few yeah you're seeing 10 percent. <laughs> yeah you're seeing the 10 percent of the iceberg where all the work that went in to this relationship flourishing in the way that it does mm-hmm. where the 90 percent below there were fights there were yeah. disagreements there was all of this chaoticness that had to bubble up there had to be conflict mm-hmm. in order to create fertile soil for this more relationship strength. to blossom yeah and with nuance on the other side, sometimes that could be an excuse. You can be yeah. like, have problems for a year and be like, well, we're still having problems. When are we supposed to? Sometimes it's just better to kick it away. Kick it. Right. You don't want yeah. the sunk cost fallacy where you're in a relationship and it's horrible, horrible. Right. Well, no, no, no. We're just rupturing, repairing. Well, sometimes you got to kick it off yeah. too. Yeah. But once you get that overcoming feeling of the repair and you trust that and you know you can get to the happiness, then I think that's the way to go Absolutely. overall. Absolutely. All right, so we got another one. Very misunderstood. Okay, so he also says, quote, The pleasant life is not produced by continual drinking and dancing, Mm. nor sexual intercourse, nor rare dishes of seafood and any other delicacies Mm. of a luxurious table. On the contrary, it is produced by sober reasoning, which examines the motives for every choice and avoidance, Mm. driving away beliefs which are the source of mental disturbances. So this is, yeah. So like while drinking, dancing, fucking, and scallops wrapped in bacon are awesome, (laughs) they have to be done mindfully. Right. Or they can uh, source your mental disturbancy, which yeah. is a big, big thing. It's low physical pain, low mental disturbancy at a proper way. So right. going over the same things kind of over and over here. Yeah. All right. Next one. He who has peace of mind disturbs neither himself nor another. Ooh. This I love. Ooh. A big deal with society nowadays is like Twitter outrage, woke bombs, yeah. cancel <laughs> culture. It gets people yeah. fired. And no matter who you are, famous or not, you're going to have haters at some point. Yeah. And what I'm trying to say is if someone criticizes you, and it's not like a close friend or family member because you should be able to criticize each other if you have a close friend or family member. 
it's because they're fucked up. No yeah. single person who's really happy in a peaceful state of mind would ever write a hateful tweet or a comment, a shitty yeah. ass review on Yelp that's mean. Uh, say, you know, so pay no mind to those people, in my opinion. Yeah. They're, they're suffering usually. I've always just felt bad for my haters. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. I just feel bad for them. Like, well, buddy, like, like, come on. You don't yeah. even know me. How could you be doing this? Yeah. It's easy for me. And I always, I see it's very difficult for a lot of people in yeah. my life to get over that. Mm-hmm. So that's just like one of those things that you can remember out there. He who has peace of mind disturbs neither. If, if someone is really peaceful, they're not fucking writing you a hateful yeah. message. Yeah. This is not how it goes. It's happened in my life. We're yeah. like, my life is not going good for a year and a half. And I noticed maybe I'll write like a shitty Xbox message back when I was like 20 yeah. or something. Yeah. And if I'm happy, I would never even consider doing that. Even right. if I thought it was funny in the moment, it was like, it wouldn't happen when I'm in that peaceful state, which I get to, you know, yeah. half the time as yeah. well. It makes me think of a quote that I think I shared on a live show. Uh, which is no matter how good you are, you're the villain in someone's story. No matter what. Yeah. And it's always, it's always going to be there. I have you're a friend who says out. like he can't, he could never be president because 50% of people would hate you. And like, he's, yeah. he's right. First yeah. of all, first yeah. of all, that's the reason you can't be president. Yeah. But, but anyway, but it's like, it's so true. Every president we've had is like hated by this yeah. group of people. Like no matter who you are, again, mm-hmm. nuance, nuance, nuance. So, all right, two more, three more. So uh, <laughs> let no one be slow to seek wisdom when he is young nor weary in the search of it when he has grown old. For no age is too early or too late for the health of the soul. Oof. I like this one. Yeah, um, I like this one You're too young for this. Fuck that noise. Yeah. I heard that way too much growing up. Yeah. And You'll can't shoot te- your eye out. Yeah, can't <laughs> teach an old dog new tricks. That might be true, but it doesn't mean you can't teach him the philosophy behind mm, the tricks. That's I a like Kyle Quayle exclusive quote. I like quote. that. It's <laughs> a Kyle Quayle exclusive. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so any age, philosophy is why I love this podcast too. There's maybe, we curse or whatever, so maybe 16 was probably where you should start yeah. listening to this podcast until 180. Then after yeah. 180, you should <laughs> yeah. be alive. And yeah. So philosophy is good for any fucking age. I don't care. Like I recently gave a friend for Christmas a book, an Alan Watts book, and I know the person he is. He's not gonna he's not gonna enjoy it if he read it today. But and it was like me. If you gave it to me five or six years ago, I wouldn't have enjoyed it. Right. So I I told him even when I gave him the gift, I said like, one day when you have kids, maybe dogs running around, wives driving you crazy, you might want to pick it up and read it. You know, yeah. you might it might be now, it might be when you're forty, it might be when you're eighty. Yeah. But at some point, you're gonna want to. It's going to call to you. It's going to call to you at some point, whether it's Watts or any kind of philosophical reason for maybe just diving deeper into why, into Mm. the why reason. So Mm. I love this quote that he was able, and he just seemed, Epicurus seemed so all-encompassing, slaves, women, like that was not being done back then. I love that stuff. That's really hard to do when no one around you is doing it, Mm -hmm. right? Well, I think he broke a certain chain too, because if you look at guys like Plato, and I want to say Aristotle, who were focusing on like these forms and stuff, and when slavery was a big thing back then, I think talking about discussing these forms and all that stuff, they're like, what the fuck does this have to do with me? Yeah, you're telling right, me the right. form of this yeah, shovel yeah, yeah. is so real right. when like I'm here yeah, as I can't a slave worry about this right, right now. now right? I can't worry right? about yeah. this right now. Yeah. Where I feel Epicurus is like really trying to open up the umbrella yeah. and welcome in all walks of life. And it's like, hey, even if you are in this poor situation, take for example how he did dealt with his kidney stone blockage yeah and embrace that pain he's like hey embrace this pain even amidst that pain there'll be moments of clarity there'll yeah. be brief moments where you'll have these moments of bliss and- yeah i love that in his deathbed because he was like it's all the time because i think i guess this is just me projecting because mm-hmm. i'm like all the time that i spent like diving into my philosophies and yeah. trying to teach and trying to think and talk it makes me so happy on my deathbed because i did it my way to yeah. and that's how i feel like yeah. all i want is when i die to feel like i did it the right my way yeah right i yep. just want that's how i want to feel whether that's you know whatever that looks like at the time so there's so much i like about this guy okay this one might be my favorite in a philosophical dispute he he gains most who is defeated 
since he learns the most. Mm. I love that. And this Ooh, is a little bit why we have this podcast. Man. Because <laughs> why I think philosophy is amazing. Because it's learning constantly, challenging one's own beliefs. If it were common practice to consistently challenge one's own beliefs, mm. how much more peaceful is a society would be? That is I such know. a major thing, right? That's such challenging a Challenging your own yeah. beliefs. It took me, I don't know, 19, 20, when I started being like, am I right about this? Because I was yeah. so cocky, <laughs> right. so confident. Because I am naturally kind of smart and gifted. So it's like, yeah. yeah, I'm right. And then you get that, boom, no, I'm not right yeah. about literally It's anything. a gut check, man. Yeah, it really is. It is. But a lot of people don't get that gut check or they'll avoid yeah. the pain. They'll go around right. the pain of the gut check <laughs> and you have to go through and understand and then right. come out on the other side. It's like, oh, okay. And it's okay. It's okay. Again, yeah. Epicurus is probably smarter than anyone who's listening to this right now. He, <laughs> he knew. He yeah. knew. It's like, you're not right all the time. It's like when you lose, you learn more than the winner. Oh, absolutely. It's so fucking true. It's and so that's, you true. see even how I approach games. Like I'll do yeah. that too. We play new games. I'm like, okay, I'm losing here, but like, I'm going to win eventually. Like, yeah. I'm just like, Every I'm dog getting has better. Day. I'm getting yeah. better. Like I'm just, I'm accumulating yeah. knowledge on how to play right. this game. And that's, it's difficult because your ego can get involved and mm-hmm. you won't, you won't, you won't take it that way. But right. if you were, if you were to shift the way you look at learning, uh, it, it just opened up so much for me. So that would be my advice to the listener. Out there. I love that. It makes me think of Anthony Bourdain and how yes. he loves to just be with people who thought differently. Than he'll he he'll definitely be a, a philosopher. Yeah, the he definitely should be. Yeah. But I, I love what you were saying earlier about how imagine if that was a, a welcomed idea or a more practiced thing in our society of challenging our belief system, yeah. because I feel like nowadays if you're, if, not and I don't know. I don't want to like blanket too no. much, but uh, people who engage in politics more regularly, or even our political system now, heavy wings, the heavy, heavy side the of the wings, wings, whether left right, or right, right. Anytime their beliefs are challenged, it's it's almost like they shut down, yep. or, and they shut down in the sense that they resort to slander and, and really mean ways of. And not everyone, but I, the, no, you're my case totally that right. I've seen. Yeah, it's uh, happened with me. Yeah, they just lash out in that moment because. There's some internal threat that's happening of like, yep. oh shit, could I be wrong about this? Yeah, you call it, maybe it's, it's like their mom called them stupid when they're like, it's something yeah, like that kind of thing coming back for right, them. Right, exactly. And, and you have to be able to get through that. That's mm-hmm. why therapy is important too. It can make you, right. it can tell you, show you that it's okay. It's okay yeah. to feel, you're not yeah. dumb because you're wrong. You know, every, right. everybody's well, and wrong. And I feel like that's such like a pressured thing in our society to show up yes. perfectly and to have it all figured out. Yeah, and we have talk it all about right. this It's a like lot. nobody fucking has it no. all figured out. And just give yourself permission to be the fool, to play the fool and to be the beginner. Normalizing struggle. Yeah. and learning and mm-hmm. the being the fool and going in with uh, yeah. again lead with humility I'll say it once every episode yep. alright one last quote Max it's on death we know Ooh. we love to talk about death here and Epicurus has so much about death again go on Stanford uh, uh, philosophy encyclopedia go on Google there's definitely a lot of things you can look up and any kind of things that you want to learn about him it's amazing how much uh, information is out there so he said why should I fear death if I am death is not if death is, I am not. Why should I fear that which can only exist when I do not? Ooh, so shit. we talk a lot about death on here and wow. the negative connotation it holds in our American society. R.I.P. Betty White, by the way. Oh, good God. Yeah, what a, a loss to the that world. That was crazy because she, every oh. year it's like everyone was celebrating that she's still yeah. alive. Like, she was going to be 100 this year. Yeah, she was about to turn 100 in a couple weeks. Yeah. But um, I, I agree with this thing with death, too. It's like, I love that. It doesn't make any sense to worry about it. Of course, it makes some sense to worry about it because it's in our biology. Yeah, it's in our it's survival kind of thing. Survival but thing, it's yeah. logically and philosophically... You can't control it. Yeah. It is just so crazy, though. I know yeah. I know this is like a stoner thought or whatever, but every week I'll have a thought, man, I'm going to die. Yeah, dude. Like, and it's just so weird because older, I'm like, you oh, can, fuck. like, I can Google about climate change. I can Google about everything and kind of talk. In the old days, you could ask your uncle about whatever, yeah. but you can't learn anything about death. The, yeah. the closest thing we have is like the NDE experiences, which mm-hmm. people cross over. We've talked about on this. Right, it's fascinating, right. but we don't even know if that's, if they're really dead or if they're just... 
whatever it is, scientifically dead or medically dead. Right. So we don't know anything. And yeah. of course, that is going to be super fucking scary. Yeah. Um, but it makes no sense to fear it because remember what you were before, before you were born? No, you don't remember don't because remember. you weren't. You just worked. Yeah, and obviously, just... with I don't think I believe the same as Epicurus where he thinks we're just atoms that disperse yeah. when you die. Totally plausible, I guess. And yeah. you would have no uh, thought or anything after. But it just it, if you live your life in fear of that, I don't think you're going to live the full experience of life yeah. overall. Yeah. And the fear of death. I just see too think, prevalent. What did I hear? At one of the one of the men's retreats that we ran recently, there was a guy there and I was sharing my grapple with death, my fear with death that I was having that year. And he shared, um, those who fear death also fear life. Yeah. And he was like, and you, my friend, do not fear life. And yeah. I was like, oh shit, good point. It's like, I have these moments where there's a lot of fear, but I'm still going to show up and live this life to the fullest. You got it. Yeah. It would be so to. scary to just go and on this quietly into the good night. was really making a Socrates' quote of it's unwise to fear death kind of solidify for me. Because I love it how he put it of like, if I am. Then there's no death, and then yeah. if I'm the not, is, then I'm then, not. Yeah, it's then not me not. anymore. It's such no... a good way, uh, more for me at least, a more simple way of like putting up like you either are, or you aren't. Yeah, <laughs> and if you're not, you're not really thinking. There's about nothing it. you can do about <laughs> yeah, it. Yeah, right. I always say eternal rest. Sounds yeah. fucking cool. Sounds nice. You ever yeah. want to sleep in on a fucking Saturday morning, yeah. nine o'clock? It's like ah, oh, this I could just do this for the rest yeah. of eternity. Yeah, I could just fucking do this all the time. All right, yeah, and it goes even back to what I was saying about death before. It's just the very very cyclical episode today. I thought yeah, a yeah. lot of stuff just uh, naturally and organically intertwined it's, with it's each other. It's the stream and the straight. That's what it is. <laughs> the Max and the Kyle. That's and, uh, right. Did you, uh, did you hear what uh, her last words were, Betty White? No. It was Alan, which is her husband. Uh, so that brought mm. up some things too. Was she seeing Alan Maybe. on the other side? This he, again brings yeah. up all those questions. He died she, decades oh, ago. Yeah, I got goosebumps. There's all of that going Oof. on. It's like, uh, so then what the other question is, who's America's old uh, elderly sweetheart now? Oh, if it's not that somebody brought up Henry Winkler. Decent right. opportunity. Yeah, Is right. there anyone yeah. else that comes to your mind really quickly? I don't think she's old enough, but Meryl Streep. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, I think she's not got a few years ahead of her. I guess you probably got to be around 80 or so. It's, okay. my, it's just my hypothetical. Yeah, bullshit, though, that makes sense. Now, but I don't know. She was the best. She was so funny. I wasn't super into Golden Girls. I've been told. Yeah. I, was, I, know, I don't remember her name in the show, but I've been told I was a her in the Golden Girls. If there was. <laughs> like they, you know, they can say that they're a, a messing slob. You can be a B or a, It was B. Arthur was the other one, too, that yeah. was in it, but whatever. Um, so... Betty White, RIP. Thanks for uh, rest well, being, Betty. Being Thanks funny, smart, attractive, amazing woman. Yeah. She really and took a stand for uh, civil rights, too. That show she hosted, she was like one of the first people to bring on a black person. Um, I believe it. Person yeah, she to be just on her seemed TV. like that kind of comedian. And, just like, yeah. And then they, the, um, the uh, TV company she was working with told her that she can't do that anymore. And she said, tough shit. Yeah. I was like, what? A, just like a testament to the tough yeah. bird she was. Like, yeah. She's like, I don't care. I'm having them on here again. Universe they canceled her show. But. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But she's, you know, the name of nobility. She'll, yeah. Maybe she got to reunite with her loved ones. Yeah. yeah. All right, Max. Great episode. Long one. Hopefully uh, listeners stuck around. Let's do it because I think it was great stuff. It's good stuff. Any last words from you today? Uh, love you all. Take care. Alan. <laughs>
easy and comfortable. You know, it was a nice time, wasn't it? It's not like that anymore. Anyway, RIP Bob Saget. We recorded this uh, before the news, unfortunate news came out. 65 years, a life very well lived, but obviously I think he had some more to give. Um, He was a man who uh, I kind of looked up to in the fact where he was both a really, really good person. No one had anything bad to say about him, but when he would do comedy, it would be some of the dirtiest shit you could ever even consider or think of. And I, uh, I like that combo because a lot of times, especially in this world, when there's no room for nuance, which came up a lot in this, in this episode, they, people think if you're dirty or dark, then you're just a bad person, which is not true. And look at, uh, look at Danny Tanner, who talks a lot about sucking dick for cocaine. If you ever watched, uh, <laughs> uh, half baked. So uh, yeah, I grew up watching him. He was uh, that was a good family value show, albeit a bit cheesy. Um, but he was hilarious. There was a roast of Bob Saget, and he was very funny. Good sport. Uh, every podcast interview I hear him, he's just so cool and so so damn funny. And everybody's favorite dad, who was a good dad, but also had the the best uh, kind of dad joke. So R.I.P. Betty White. R.I.P. Bob Saget. Uh, he had a great life. So you don't have to be sad for him, but sad for his family, for the for us, all the people who are still alive who won't get any more Bob Saget gems, I guess. All right, anyway, this is the fact check, if you haven't realized that yet. We have a couple things to go over for this episode of Philosophize. First, I want to start with Blue Zones. Um, I mentioned Blue Zones are the regions regions of the world that are thought to have a higher than usual number of people live much longer on average, often into their hundreds. It's uh, it's pretty, it's an outlier for aging. And uh, five Blue Zones have been posited. Uh, We have Japan. We have uh, this, I don't know, there's a, I think it's Okinawa in Japan. We have Sardinia in Italy. We have Nikova in Costa Rica, a Pura Vida. We have Icaria in Greece. I'm probably pronouncing all these incorrectly. I'm not going to do a fact check for the pronunciations. But uh, then finally, we have Loma Linda in California. So we have Japan, Italy, Costa Rica, Greece, and California all have these blue zones. And uh, they're still largely a mystery, but the longevity currently boils down to what scientists can say three things, which is the ideas of healthy eating, active lifestyle, and community involvement. Those three things seem to be the best for longevity, not just drowning yourself in olive oil. Okay, next I mentioned the Flyers and 76ers have a smash room, so the Wells Fargo Center has unveiled the first ever rage room in a major professional sports arena. The Rage Room allows fans and guests to let out some stress by breaking, smashing, and crushing items inside the brand new disassembly room, they call it, which is a nicer (laughs) way of putting it, I guess. Some of the breakable items even include the opposing team's logos. So, healthy rage, baby. We're all about it. Um, Why not? I'm not into it super anymore, but I'm sure there's some people out there who could benefit from a little healthy rage and not take it out uh, on something uh, that's alive, maybe. Okay, next, we talked about how there should be, um, like, schools for what kind of philosophy you, you, you have for yourself as opposed to, you know, going for mathematics. Of course, there are uh, a bunch of schools that specialize in philosophy. In the top five, I looked up, this is as of 2021, a couple uh, ones you would guess and one that's surprising. Uh, number one was U- University of Pittsburgh. I know U Pitt is a is a big uh, is a, is a good school, and that's a big one for philosophy. Then NYU is also really really big for philosophy. This one surprised me. Rutgers, fifteen minutes from my hometown in central New Jersey, uh, the State University of New Jersey. Rutgers is a very very good philosophy school. Then you have Oxford, of course, the famous English uh, school, and then finally Harvard, which um, everybody knows is very prestigious. 
All right, so next, I said curtly that uh, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger isn't always necessarily true, as in if um, you say you like all four of your arms get chopped off, I said, uh, while it might not kill you, it definitely won't make you stronger either. I have done an abundance of research on this, and after looking it all up, I found that we actually only have two arms, not four. The more you learn. Okay, then we had, we weren't sure, um, it was written on the entrance of the garden, Epicurus's school, we weren't sure what Tari meant, but I think we were close to, uh, Tari or Tari, I didn't look up the pronunciation, I just started looking up the pronunciations of these things, but, uh, in ancient Greece it meant to stay in place or to delay, so don't, don't Tari, uh, was kind of what they were saying. And lastly, Max humorously stated something was before the cheese era, uh, well, a 2018 scientific paper stated that the world's oldest cheese dated to approximately 1200 BC. So 3,200 years ago. That's pretty wild. Uh, it was found in ancient Egyptian tombs. The earliest cheeses were likely quite sour and salty, similar in texture to rustic cottage cheese or feta, a crumbly, flavorful Greek cheese that you probably all know well and good. So cheese had been around for 900 years or so before Epicurus. Um, and that's it for the fact check, I guess. Thanks for listening, Wisdom Seekers. I will see you in two weeks. I don't know the answer.